So yeah, this might be might be interrupted by my wife and mother-in-law soon. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, cut those bits out. No, but the listeners could have got that to look forward to. It's like okay. guests. It's like when you used to have wacky characters on the show. It's like, whoa! Uh oh, it's the crazy mother-in-law. <laughs> Stop playing those games! How dare you! All right, let's do an episode, shall we? Uh, only if we have to. My name. Hello and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Hunt, and with me is James Clark. Good day to you, ladies and gentle folk. And of course, you've got Big Henchy. Uh, Sean Hunt, Big Henchy. <laughs> no, but your PSN name is Big Henchy. Yeah, it's Big Henchy on PSN. Because uh, some of the listeners might want to add you. Alright, uh, no, add him and troll him. I've only got 100 spaces. I'm going to be more. We don't even have 100 listeners, so you'll be all right. All right. <laughs> well, my name's Sean Hunt, a.k.a. Big Henchy. Catch me on PSN. <laughs> Some of the listeners can play Rainbow Six Siege with you or Terraria. Yeah, they can, yeah. That'd be nice. Give me a shout. Because none of them are weird. <laughs> but yeah, today we got a good show for you. We're doing feedback. We're doing what you've been slaying, and we've got the main subject, which is going to be the bizarre world of brony role-playing. And oh, yeah. We're going to do your correspondence with Electro Letters. And of course, we'll have some wacky characters along the way. <laughs> <laughs> feedback. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah. We take your comments and read them out. Yeah. Feedback, bitch. Ace, he says, big thanks to everyone on this server and to the podcast and Kill Defences. So Kill Defences is the author of Cybersprawl Classics. But Ace wants to say, I've always played RPGs and it's because I was once looking for cyberpunk actual plays that I stumbled on Dirt Boy Blues and that got me back into the idea of running non-fantasy settings. It also introduced me to the DCC system and RPGs helped my mental health loads during the pandemic. So yeah, big thanks. Uh, well, I don't really read those serious ones out, but I just thought it was quite nice. Quite no, touching. very nice. Um, I, th- I think it's good that uh, like your uh, Dirt Boy Blues inspired him. You know? I, I don't think I don't think he'll mind me saying this because he is using a pseudonym, but he's also uh, recovering from his alcoholism as a result, um, and that's quite a miracle because he's saying this podcast helped him, right? But I mostly, it drives people to yeah substance I'm abuse. Quite, I'm quite um, shocked <laughs> and perplexed. Uh, I can also identify with RPG playing getting us through the pandemic as well because we played Destiny and Tough Guys throughout the pandemic. That's true. We had two very fun Kept campaigns. Yeah. Except yeah. you, you were only present for about like a quarter of it, though, Sean, because of your horrible, horrible girlfriend. <laughs> well, I was only present for a quarter of Tough Guys, but I played the whole of Destiny. That's that a good day. point. I That's mean, a... you guys put up with that for a long time. With your girlfriend in the background going, Sean! Sean, open that vodka! Oh. Okay, um, <laughs> Shitting herself in that. Is there, is there a hole? Because... What are you talking about? Is there a hole? I'd like to call in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> it's her that's the embarrassing one, not you. No, that's true. That's true. All right, so uh, the butt man, he uh, actually comes in with a very unique style of feedback here because uh, oh. 
if you recall last session, last podcast, there was a uh, a point where James farted, and I commented that his anus sounded very tight. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so the Batman has made this beautiful song. This song entitled Very Tight. It. tight. It's really good. I appreciate it. Me. Maybe we. Uh, it's a shame that we're past the era where you can sell ringtones because I feel like we can make a lot of money off that. Oh, I man. like the way he used the fart as a snare. He's like, he's obviously a very good music producer because he realised that 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 is a good punch as a snare. That thing. All right, so we get onto what we've been saying. Oh yeah, uh, another um, bit of feedback comes in from Keith. James has just shown me. He says, "Deadly accurate Pearl Jam affectation." I felt like I got slapped back into the nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still alive. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that one. That All right, good feedback. Let's get into what we've been playing. And it's one of these. Oi, yeah. What you slay? So we've been playing some Deadlands. And oh yes, have we? Almost TPK'd last session, but oh, and the one before. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the uh, plot of this is that the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse are trying to uh, sow terror throughout uh, the Americas during the Wild West. And it's up to the player characters to stop them from doing that, lest America fall and merge with the Hell Realm. Um, so yeah, we had a, we had a session where these guys were fighting what we called a Slunge Man, who was the leader of a circus. And of course, one player by the name of Tabuscus, who was supposed to be on this episode, but is deeply unreliable, um, started a fight with the entire circus at once. Oh, yeah, I was mad. And so a big part of the that session was literally just the fight. But you had strong men, acrobatics, the Cambodian Midget Fighting League, Spider Baby, <laughs> and and the Slunge Man. Like all of these circus attractions fighting you at once. And uh, yeah, Sean, your character Buster Christmas. Sean was playing two characters at the time, and he took a he took a smack to the head with a sledgehammer. Then a, yeah, then another Instant smack war. to the uh, to the head with the sledgehammer. Even before he like probably hit the floor, he died. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and it was a rare one because in Savage Worlds, if you take damage or you you get hit for over your toughness, you then become shaken, right? And uh, usually, players will roll vigor and unshake on their turn so they can still act. Yep. Um, but everyone was out of bennies because they were spending them like crazy, and then uh, fucking. Sean's character failed to unshake because he failed his vigor roll and uh, spirit roll and then failed to uh, have any bennies. So you just got smacked upside the head, killed him instantly. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was horrible to say the least. I, I quite like Buster Christmas, actually. He, he was awesome. Yeah. It was, it, you played uh, all the characters that you've had so far, you've played very well. And you've had Thank a lot. You've had a lot yeah, of characters. You've had a lot of characters. Yeah, mate. so I've had to adapt. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, so um, the uh, after this, they basically dispatched. There was this guy who was a sludge man, so he was like like the T one thousand from yeah. Terminator, but with black sludge instead of molten metal. Um, and he essentially, the guys figured out that he needed to be killed with fire. And James Clark ejected a, a clip of bullets into his slungy form, then set him on fire. Mm. It was good. Mm. It was tasty. 
But then uh, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, <clears throat> Pestilence. Sorry. Thank you. Um, uh, he he then has been foiled by the guys like three times now. So he came out to fight them directly, and uh, took down took down uh, one character. Almost killed everyone else by hitting them with like barrages of flies and insects and stuff oh, yeah, like this. That was madness. One character, the uh, team's sort of primary mage, uh, Vladimir, he died. And then, uh, yeah, you guys killed Pestilence uh, by hitting him, in the, hitting him in the head, throwing spears into his face, shooting his head off, all, all types of shit like this. It was pretty, pretty fucking tasty, to be it fair. It was great. And uh, so now there's only two left, because you've killed uh, Famine, Pestilence, and now there's War and Death left. See, now we've dispatched War like three times. It's three twice. Twice. Yes. Uh, war's back. Um, and, uh, well, we've got, we've got an idea of what to do, but... Well, the guys were theorising, you know, last session that, that they that because these people are sort of servitors and they're like harrowed basically. They're like zombies, but really intelligent zombies. James uh, realised that you need to shoot them in the head, yeah. and unfortunately, for up until this point, War has been beaten twice but hasn't been shot in the head. So they always resurrect one d six days later. Um, I also think part of it would maybe to weaken War, maybe maybe fight them last, I guess, because then if there's peace, it might weaken war. It's a good it's a good theory. I mean, the thing is, what the guys are doing is they're sort of going territory by territory, sort of saving them and trying to save them before the four horsemen can sort of destroy them, yeah. merge them with hell. And that's a good point. The, more ter- the, le- the fewer territories they have, the more likely it is that their power would wane somewhat. Although the next session you are going there to fight her. And there's quite a funny story surrounding that because... Uh, the guys sort of finished that that mission with the Slunge Man, fought pestilence, and then decided they wanted to go to New Mexico to Roswell. <laughs> and uh, I decided to—I I mean, I don't—it's a slight spoiler for later on—but I decided to merge uh, Deadlands Lost Colony and Deadlands. And it was a war has asked these um, this aliens to bring in a sample of a xenomorph, basically. Somewhere along the flight, that got uh, that went wrong, and all of the fucking blue dudes from the, the lost colony, they they're fucking uh, the alien thawed out from its frozen state, attacked everyone, and there's loads of dead people on board. It was fucking deadly as shit, though. Like it was, um, uh, you just you didn't restart anything. You took it straight out, and then. Uh... Well, the trouble is, is I took that xenomorph stats from the internet. Yeah. So it was some guy's creation. I've got to be honest, it was it was like really powerful. We it was it in the end, but it was fucking. It, it took a lot of doing. I mean, so essentially, these guys get to this old uh, training base and see that there's a UFO sort of at 45 de- degree angle stuck in the ground, and uh, yeah, so they they realise that you know something on something's on board there. Like some of their soldiers in the base had seen it, and they keep describing it. And even this recurring character called Todd Unctious, who's a priest, he's he'd seen it, and he was like white with fear. So they went onto the UFO to try and um, fuck it up, and the UFO's like doesn't have any doors all it has is these sort of like pools of jelly that you put your hand in and it teleports you to an adjacent room yeah the trick to it was was that you had to think of the room that you wanted to go to but we only found out about that quite late so what what happened was because like the, the thing is if you look at any good horror sort of media like like a film or something like this the first thing is that they always have to be isolated right so in the case of like a haunted house thing it's always oh yeah the phones aren't working or whatever yeah. or let's split up and so I sort of forced that upon you because when you guys tried to portal in I just rolled randomly because you didn't know how the yeah. these portals worked and uh, 
Yeah, so you guys were sort of on your own at certain points or in groups of two sort of milling about the spaceship and this thing was running through the vents trying to kill you. Um, what was great as well was that Sean's character O'Shea, this priest, he sees the alien go up in a vent and then tries to follow it and wants to throw an oil on it to burn it, misses, and the oil just sort of pours out where he is. So he got stuck in the vent for a bit because he couldn't move. He was too greased up and he was just like... <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that was good. You've got Smash Brothers ringtone. So let's say, let's say, for the sake of argument, that all of the water levels around the world rise by, by let's say, five feet. Over the next hundred years, say ten feet. By the next hundred years, and it puts all the low-lying areas on the coast underwater. Right, would you let, let's say, all of that happens? You think that people aren't going to just sell their homes and move? I can't believe that's just happened. is taking a phone call. So is it work related? Oh good. No, uh, sorry, I've got like a scam call. Sorry. Okay, do you want to just pop it on silent there? Yeah, like sorry, I thought I had, I thought I thought I had like I would like right, Amazon just, Prime and sorry. Just uh, pop that I'm on silent. In silent. Oh my god! Sorry. I don't usually get phone calls, sorry. Anyway, this session all came to a head when you guys uh, essentially managed to meet up in the same area, which was the canteen, and uh, had a pretty gruesome fight but there were certain parts of it where one guy was surrounded by face huggers um, you guys were all fighting in this canteen there was hot oil going everywhere Sean's character it's very sad what happened Uh, but he got impregnated with an egg yeah yeah and then you guys you guys did a dramatic task which is basically like a turn based thing where you have a certain amount of successes to get in five turns and we didn't do it we kept trying to knife this thing out we kept trying to burn it everything was failing so Sean had already taken one wound and then later on uh, somebody opens up with a shotgun whilst Sean was in the melee range of the alien the acid blood hits him he fails his death save he just turns into mush on the floor oh yeah it was really sad but we we did a quite cool exit for for him because Sean rightly pointed out that if the devil is real in Deadlands then God must be too and we did a scene of him going up to the pearly gates and meeting Jesus and then (laughs) Jesus was uh, he, he was like can I just have one more minute down on earth. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and then Sean, so Sean's ghost sort of appeared where he died and said goodbye to the team. And, and then it was like, we put a timer on in real life and well, Sean got cut off. In well, real life. Oh, yeah, and he, he went, that's goodbye. Well, I actually asked for a couple of years, a couple more years. Yeah, to, but it to gave finish, you 30 seconds. To finish the work I was doing, but then I had to end up saying goodbye to everyone. It was quite emotional. It was a good one, man. It was a really good exit for a, what well, was a great character. Yeah. But Sean's come back now. He's, he's the chief of the uh, attraction in in the Sioux Nations called uh, Crazy Horse yeah, based yeah. on a real guy but yeah, the real character Crazy Horse which is cool I thought uh, another bit that you missed out that was quite funny was with uh, Todd Unctious the other priest that they brought in to do this stuff and he was like I've tried praying I've tried saying mass but nothing works and then uh, <laughs> my character's like well you have to s- sort of try practical stuff And he's like, I did, I did mass. (laughs) Who doesn't like a good mass? Did our Lord Jesus not sit down and do a good mass? (laughs) And then then you're like, no. (laughs) Yeah, that was the, so that's where we're at. The very last thing that happened was I kind of thought, so so the the UFO technically is an infernal device, right? And these are ghost rock powered devices that you're not allowed to 
to use really legally and also they might only serve to sow more terror throughout the Americas. Oh, mate, we thought of a well good idea. So I thought they would self-destruct it and the plan is... Well, the, the plan is, so what happened was the computer on board actually managed to uh, decipher our language and could speak to us commu- and communicate. Um, but what we ended up doing was, because uh, it's an infernal device, and like Harrison explained, we're not really meant to use it because it will cause fear. What we've done is we've flipped it on the upside down on that regard. We've put loads of cotton all over it to disguise it, make it look like a cloud. And then we've written a message on the underside of it that... Um, uh, basically said the you know it's like a, a lord's message and then kudos to the Finns because we are obviously the family of uh, surname Finns um, so it will spread good message and, and positive energy as we are floating around places um, using it as transport yeah so people actually think Christ has come yeah. they think you guys are 100% linked to Jesus Christ yeah. And you found a way to cover up the UFO. Yeah. And this was the one time like, I was I wanted to keep things, you know, uh, grounded, <laughs> gritty, things like this. But I thought, then, oh, this would be a sort of one-off episode with an alien yeah. in it. And they're like, yep, self-destruct, bang, done, dusted. And you're just like, but now I you can't guys believe are, it. Now you guys are flying a UFO <laughs> into California. Yeah, you're just like, like, great. If you think about it, is if if we if our characters were to fly a UFO, this is probably the best way in Deadlands to fly. No, it is. It is. I, I thought it was a spectacular plan, but I was like, well, it's sort of my fault for putting it there, really, isn't it? But no, I. I, I but I think it's fitting the fact that there was an alien in it because the weird science doesn't necessarily just have to be bloody steam punk gadgets does also, it also I think we got to that point where we can like go around the world map in a fast vehicle now yeah like in a JRPG this would be where you get the airship yeah but exactly. in this case it's a UFO yeah it's quite nice having the ability to do that we still understand that, that we have important tasks to do in all of the unsaved areas so it's not like we're just going to fling about and just like, be like yeah well we're done here yeah, just I'm going back to my home planet. Goodbye. Hopefully, I think you know we're just going to be able to use it as a good mode of transport, so we don't have to die on the way anywhere. Yeah, that'd and be then, nice. Um, and then fix some shit. But Crazy Horses, Sean's creating him before our next game, and he's going to take piloting, and uh, he calls it the disc horse. Yes, <laughs> mate. He's, he's tied reins around the joystick, the and he goes whoosh, whoosh, <laughs> like whipping it up and down. Excuse me, disc. <laughs> Discourse. But yes. the funny thing was, is when we, uh, we, we, with Sean, they flew the UFO to his old tribe and uh, got some elk on board to have as like a snack on the way in that. And you said goodbye to your wife and stuff like this, that you're doing more important stuff. It's pretty cool, man. So, yeah, yeah that's where we're at. Fun. They're now going to go to California and try and hopefully fight war using the UFO because she wasn't ex- expecting a delivery yeah. of murderous aliens yeah. that she I've was going to I've got an use. idea uh, before we get there, though. But right. I'll save it till next sesh. All right. Well, thank, well you can uh, hear about that next time. So uh, that is Deadlands. That's where we're up to at the moment. Aside from that, one thing happened where, you know, I met up with uh, one of our uh, one of our party to, uh, to make his character in the pub. And, uh, it's need... quite nice because um, me and my brother wandered past and therefore basically my brother's joining in as a bit character every now and then. About made his new character too. Yeah, that was funny in and of itself. But the fact that I met up with Tabuscus and then like made his character. The fact that you turned up, which made it all right. It was like yeah. I wasn't completely wasting my time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, then he just and he just and the next game comes and he's like, can't come, can't tell you why. Goodbye. 
I was like, all right. What was funny though is that James's brother is very new to role playing, obviously, and he's going to be playing with us every so often. And uh, he, he comes in and he's like, I want to be a bounty hunter, a big black bloke with a seven foot cock, and he's called Dick Slinger. And we were like, Chris, we do have a rule against comedy characters. And then he's he's like, all right, well, we can just have a normal sized cock. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's sort of not the entire problem with Dick Slinger. Oh, no, it? his name's Richard, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's what no. he said. Well, it's like Huge Yak Man, isn't it? Huge yeah. Yak Man was a comedy character, yeah. but that's TMNT, man. But aside from the character creation and... And being... also Huge Yak Man was fucking awesome. <laughs> he <laughs> was actually very good. <clears throat> but aside from the comedy uh, character creation, the comedic character creation, when he actually sat down for the first time ever to play an RPG along with us he actually did really really well he was he great he took control of someone else's character and he yeah he got it he got it immediately and really got on with it yeah. obviously there were certain points because we had to try and fill him in quickly and there's a point where James's uh, character was having a bath and a bath car on a train and he came in and he's like oh, well, look at those titties and James was like no you wouldn't do that I'm your sister and he's like, I'm going to look somewhere else. <laughs> it's brilliant. So, yeah, and in addition to Deadlands, I've been reading a couple of books I want to talk about. First off, I saw in Leisure, Leisure Games they had a copy of Index Card RPG Oh, my God, Master that's so nice. Index Card RPG Master Edition. Um, so this is, this is uh, I think it was released by Free League Publishing, and they've done, like, their sort of amazing treatment to, uh, to ICRPG, and it's like... It's essentially the collected editions of all of the stuff that's ever been officially released for ICRPG. That's a good problem. But also a um, sort of update of the rules to unify everything. So, for example, now guns uh, have their own damage thing. There's like loads of little rules like this that, that they've just updated to make it slightly smoother for running. But yeah, it's a really, really gorgeous book. And what's cool about it is as the entire index card RPG system, obviously, and that only takes up like 15 pages, then it's all character options and things like this. And it's got five settings in that one book. So you've got Alfheim, which is fantasy, Warp Shell, which is sci-fi, Ghost Mountain, which is a weird West one. And then you've got Vigilante City, which is a futuristic superhero one. And then last of all, there's a prehistoric one called Blood and Snow, which sounds fucking awesome. And mate, it smells how, so nice. How much is it? And... Uh... Where, where so it's it? forty pounds. Okay, Runehammer and Modifius Entertainment are the Modifius. That's it. Yeah, overpriced, but also at the same time, it's amazing though. It's, worth, so it's, it's over, probably it's probably worth it because it's, it's a, a bit pricey. You wouldn't book. call it overpriced. Price, it's pricey, but it's worth it. Um, yeah, rare. It's well, rare. If that it wasn't Modifius. I could see it being about twenty-five quid. I don't think so because you can see that the the, the quality of the paper and it's like a hardback double yeah. bookmark thing. It's like he's worked really hard on bringing them all together now you don't necessarily need just that but if you were to buy all the books in the series that are collected in this one it would run you about 60 70 pounds so yeah. i don't know I, th I think it's very much it's worth very, it it's very good yeah it's an essential book I think. there's some little things in it where it's like um differs from the original whereby the original came with all of the print and play minis right and uh, now they obviously with this one specifically they don't so you can just buy them from his DTRPG but that means that certain parts of it where the original it said right to get your gameplay going you need minis you need this you need that and then with this one it's kind of like well find an image print it out do this and it's like yeah I get it because Some you can't say print yeah. the minis because they don't come with this one but it's like I guess slightly implied but um, there's also the old rule in the original where Distance was measured in a banana. 
right? <laughs> so it's like you can move, you don't need grids because you just have that measure of movement and they've taken that out and it's basically you can move close, near or far and then it's like just, you can just use your best judgment but yeah. try to keep it consistent. It's a bit better because bananas come in variant sizes. <laughs> well, no, that, but that's the point. Like you, there, it's just whatever banana you have to hand that game. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's why I, it is a bit stupid. A lot of people just use a pencil, but also like if you're trying to run a game with any amount of seriousness or coolness, like you're whacking a banana <laughs> out. That's the trouble. Well, and like, why did he specifically pick a curved object as well? Like that's annoying. Maybe he's had some of those weird straight ones. <laughs> I found a straight banana once. My wife doesn't believe me that I found it, but it was at school. It was amazing. Yeah, it just had like the, the tip of it is curved. The yeah. rest of it is it perfectly straight. Yeah, I've had That's that. the perfect ICRPG banana, really. <laughs> but you know, on um, DTRPG, you can find... Uh, Bananas. Yeah. You can find print files to print a banana-shaped plastic thing. Wait, wait, is that what you're actually going to say? Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's like a 3D printing file to like print an ICRPG banana, and it's got like labeled close, near, far as well. Oh, oh shut that's up! Really that's cool. wicked. I'm not getting it. Shut we'll up. Actually, use that as like units. It's quite. How much it is be it? Quite good. Yeah, I but could... why is it? I wish they just did a ruler with that. Really. But how much is it? <laughs> because I might get it and then get my mate to print it. Oh, actually, yeah, that'd be great. 3D well, we'll it. we'll sort it out later. But yeah, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, that's Master Edition. I've also uh, finished reading Warlock, which is the uh, uh, OSR sort of rehash of original Warhammer. And I've, uh, well, I don't really have much to say on it, except that it seems very good. And that is about it. But um, I think that I actually prefer the old style over the new one. You know, what it was like typed up like it was on a typewriter. Mm. But um, yeah, Warlock, it seems very good. And uh, if you want a simple way to play Warhammer that's got loads of bolt-on rules, then yeah, get it. Do you it's reckon awesome. it's similar to second edition of Warhammer? Uh, uh, I don't. I think it's closer to first or even pre-first. But okay. it's it, essentially instead of using percentiles, it uses maths, which is the, uh, roughly the same. So like, um, you've got all the things like where you change careers and stuff like this, and then you can advance in certain skills as you change jobs. But it's like so if you start with say you pick your soldier and you start with uh, seven in fighting, right? The idea is is that you've always got to roll a twenty or over to succeed. So you roll a d20 and you add a 7, well, that's going to be exactly the same as 35% in Warhammer because you have uh, you have 7 plus a d20. So it's essentially roughly the same. But what it does is it means because you're rolling high, it still has the same probability as it did in Warhammer, except for, in this case, when you're doing opposed rolls, it's much easier to do because you're not then comparing who succeeded by the most and all of this shit. Mm. What you're doing is just rolling a d20 plus a number. So in that way, it sort of simplifies everything because all combat rolls are opposed rolls and it speeds that up quite a lot, which is probably one of the main reasons I would go for playing it. Um, it does bear some similarity to Troika in how simple it is, but then all of the um, products for it sort of flesh it out. Like there's one with guns in it, disease, insanity, things like this. So yeah, it seems really good and uh, I like it. Really nice product. Nice. Very last thing, Stranger Things season four. Oh yeah, so I started watching it. I've got three episodes in. Um, I would like the American listeners to let me know if you were uh, role playing in the 80s, if the portrayal of having a bloody jockey type DM 
It's true or not, because I feel like it's, it's wildly inaccurate. It's like you can be... Every, I feel like they'd be militant nerds about situations. They would mutter stuff under their breath and be a bit of a douche about it, but they wouldn't be quite so jockey-like. Does the... Oh, what? So he's a bit like a dude bro. He's like a dude bro, jumps up on the table, like makes a scene and like mm. thinks he's like fucking badass and cool. And then also like when they're playing... I was saying to Sean earlier that they uh, there's a good few scenes of them doing dice rolls it's quite nice and like really cinematic um, it's all stupid though because they're standing at one end of the table and he's literally got like a throne as his DM chair oh my god um, so that bit kind of fucks me off and then the, you know like how Stranger Things and the whole time where they have portrayed the DM is like they're giving instructions but they're really trying to like so it was like ooh he comes at you and then he says hello and he, you know all that fucking overacting stuff yeah 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 that's not how people fucking role play it but, can be but like yeah yeah like it does sound a bit unrealistic. I wonder if it's still written by the same person. No, it is, but like I just wish that they did some things where that it would be a true representation of how it is. Cause it used to be. Yeah, because the original kind of was where it was like in the mum's basement and yeah. it looked, you know, very tacked together. Like his well, campaign folder, for example. That's how it really is. It's yeah. not like... Uh, well, they were in the yeah. so this bit they were in the school and then they had stage lights because they were in probably the drama section or whatever it is. So it could look how it did, mm. which is okay. But then there was a scene where, there, like I said, the dice rolling was very cinematic and cool. But then there was a bit where he just gets someone gets a nat twenty and then they celebrate like they've won. It's just like, well, no, you have to roll more dice after that, surely. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> it's just a nat twenty, and he's like. Uh, so his role obviously would have been like yeah so I'll go to the end of the game kill the boss but nobody, right, roll a d20 he rolls it and they're like yeah campaign yeah. over yeah. nobody would have uh, really been open about playing D&D back then uh, if you did you got probably you got being up and stuff yeah uh, but that's what well, well let's let the American listeners weigh in right uh, yeah I need to know but, uh, but although that sounds likely I think but maybe the jock GM what it is is he GMs for you then if you sort of fuck up his story, he puts you in a locker, innit? I do seem to remember <laughs> at that time, if, because... Uh, like, As you were a young man growing up in in rural America. Um, No, but, like, I mean, oh. like, the whole sort of thing really was, I don't know, if you liked different things. I mean, even if you liked video games back then, you got beaten up, innit? That's true. Okay. But we'll see, we'll see. You're, you're probably right, but, yeah, and the, the sort of overacting and the throne and stuff, it feels like it's mm. somebody that's watched, like, one of those shitty live streams like Critical well, Role I do quite like um, at the moment in the programme that it's all about the satanic panic it's all about that era oh that's cool so they brought that up and I was just like okay cool so I kind of get why they're really pushing on it but so when are the characters going to die in the steam vents oh my god it'll be like that shitty film you watched with Tom Hanks <laughs> I'm going to see the Great Hall you've got no more mana <laughs> alright well yeah Stranger Things Season 4 will we give it out of 10 uh, I haven't competed it yet, so... So, an estimate. Well, I'll give it a maybe out of ten. One. Yeah. I don't know why you still watch that show anyway, man. Oh, uh, well, I rewatched was so the, rubbish. all the threes, and it, uh, all, all one, two, three, and it was quite entertaining. <laughs> I liked it. was wildly it. entertaining. It was my, I thought it sort of went downhill when <laughs> Eleven started to talk. No, one and, two, one and two were good, actually. Oh, so two, when... Do you remember the episode where Eleven sort of slopes off and joins a punk gang, and then I... Uh, my yeah. name's Slazenger, this here is Axel, and this is Dustbin. Yeah, that was well, bad, but... The, that was shit, but it was... It wasn't it was as... meant to portray her... Um, 
because uh, uh, Layla's a proper big fan of it. She said it's meant to portray her growing as a person, so that's why it was in there. Yeah, but then it was, it was one of the cringiest it, things I've ever watched. Ended up being non-canon anyway, but it yeah. wasn't as bad as when, it wasn't as bad as when she went to the mall with that other girl and stuff like, and she got yeah that. that. Once she bought clothes in that, yeah, that it seems va- vaguely. They went to Hot Topic and that. Nice. Got some, got some like grungy clothes. <laughs> All right, well that is it for what we've been saying. Shall we do the main subject? Yeah, I'm a brony. So, oh no. Main. Subject magic. Main. Subject Tokyo. Main. Subject. Um, weirdos on the internet can be a powerful thing, and they've created some bizarre trends over the years, from 4chan coming together to form a swastika in the swimming pool in Habbo Hotel, then saying pools closed due to AIDS, to the bizarre style of TikTok videos where young women paint themselves to look like burn victims, or text appears on the screen about the Holocaust. Growing up, my family were one of the first in our area to get the internet at home, so I've seen it all. I've seen the video of two ladies as an, in an unfortunate situation involving a lack of drinking vessels, goatsy, lemon party. And yet, there is nothing that baffles me more than the confusing existence of the brony movement. For those not in, not in the know, a brony is an adult male My Little Pony fan. And these aren't just people who watch cartoons meant for young girls. It gets weird, it gets mucky, and it gets role-playing game. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there are a couple of brony RPGs, is what I mean by that. So today we're going to be taking a deep dive into bronies, brony role-playing games, and so that we may better understand them, looking at the history of the brony phenomenon. Does it Fucking sound like fun? It sounds like phenomenon. Have you ever met a brony in real life? Yeah, you. That's right. All right, let's go. Um, so before we begin, I will just say a huge portion of the research for this episode was done with the help of Jenny Nicholson's fantastic video about the subject. So go and check out her channel and sub. I actually really like her videos, but unfortunately most of them are about Star Wars, which I don't like. <laughs> um, so in 1981, a woman by the name of Bonnie Zachel worked as a designer and illustrator at Hasbro. And alongside Charles Munchinger, she designed a line of toys called My Pretty Pony. Now, these toys are basically statues with no moving parts, the few moving ones being like a single winking eye or ears that could wiggle for some reason, and a tail that would swish from side to side. Importantly, though, the follow-up to the original toy, My Pretty Pony and Baby, was the first step in the direction towards My Little Pony, because for those not in the know, each character in My Little Pony has a unique mark on their arse called a cutie mark. Oh, fucking hell. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Rainbow Dash, for example, uh, she has a like a lightning rainbow on her ass, like a tramp stamp. Right. And uh, anyway, these cutie marks first came to be on the baby horse contained with the My Little po- My Pretty Pony and Baby toy line. This is like a, a absolute minefield of tongue twisters here. <laughs> Sadly for Bonnie's a curl, though, these toys were a huge waste of time and sold really poorly. So the solution was to make even more of them that changed the name. <laughs> and for some reason, this worked, because just one year later in 1982, the My Little Pony toy line was released, and this contained not one, but six smaller ponies with hair that you could style and shit. Oh, my God. Also, I seem to recall that you could move the head around. No. Could you not? Maybe that was maybe that was like a later one. Oh. But I remember our cousin had some, and she was brushing it, and it's just, it's just hair. Just, just a statue with hair. It's, it's like a, a troll, but a pony. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but yeah. trolls can move their heads, though, isn't it? Not all, no, of, them. Not all of them, not the yeah. originals. Oh, this yeah, was way are. before the moving heads sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> that revolution came a lot later. But um, yeah, like like girls like to braid them. Actually, let's not, you know, let's not put any in Go, Girls, really uh, gay men. <laughs> <laughs> that is a joke, and I don't mean it. And I'm gay, so don't worry about it. Um, the, so. so yeah, these toys were manufactured and sold for 10 years, compared to the original, uh, which sold for a less than a year. And these ones became so popular that all sorts of other spin-offs were made. Tie-in merch, and even had bloke ponies called Big Brother Ponies. <laughs> which sounds like a good rapping name. <laughs> oh, Big Brother Ponies. Uh, add Big Henchy on PSN. Um, but as children of the 90s, <laughs> we all know one thing for certain. If you want to sell toys to kids, make a tie-in cartoon. I'm looking at you, Gundam, Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man, and so on. So in 1984, two years after the Little Pony launched, we got a television special called Rescue at Midnight Castle, which was a one-off TV special starring the toys. Now, in addition to this, a feature film and a TV series were made, both titled My Little Pony. And I've got to be honest, lads, I tried, to, it's, a lot of this stuff is available on YouTube, and I tried to watch some of the originals, and it is really, really bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's no more shit than the latest stuff, but the thing it's, is... It's a typical tie-in cartoon, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, reused animations constantly. Most of the characters, when they're talking, are shot from behind, so they don't have to animate their mouths. Like, it is fucking shit. And I, honestly, I was trying to follow the plot and I just couldn't be asked, so I didn't. So really? sorry about that. <laughs> Considering it's a long reign, uh, this is my little pony uh, set. Rain, horse, sorry. Fuck Go it away. Out. Go away now. For ages. But yeah, these, these toys were really successful. But after 1992, Hasbro made a series of blunders from attempts to market toys to an even younger audience to a number of shoddy director video animations which contained loads of reused footage from the old cartoons. And so the toy line fell into relative obscurity and was discontinued in the US and sold primarily in Western Europe. That's right, England were lapping up the stuff that was too rubbish, even for Americans. And I know that sounds like I'm sort of being anti-American here. Usually it's the other way around, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, they get the runoff. <laughs> <laughs> like, we stopped eating greasy food 20 years ago. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. stopped being, like, turbo racist all the time. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. all Americans, as we know, are the same. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So between 1992 and 2009, the series was relegated to the bargain bin, the blockbuster video, and Birmingham. But then something magical happened. <laughs> These wedding songs are so standard. I want Matilda and Cranky's wedding to be special. And uh, in 2010, the fourth generation of toys in the My Little Pony line were released, featuring nine characters with names like Twilight... Actually, I think it was six characters. Oh, no, there was nine. There might have been six. Uh, whatever. But anyway, they had names like <laughs> Twilight, Sparkle, Rainbow, Dash, and Princess Celestia. And these toys featured brushable hair and contained a comb and an animal companion with each toy. Additionally, some of the ponies now had wings and horns, which, believe it or not, was met with a lot of anger from original fans of the series. Wow. But considering how badly the toys were doing, Hasbro gave zero shits. Anyway, much like older versions, a cartoon was released alongside the toys featuring the same characters that had hit 
store shelves. And the series was called My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And it came out in 2010 and made a debut on the Hub Network in America and was, broadly speaking, about six ponies who all share something called the Elements of Harmony, which is basically this world's idea of elemental magic. And they go around using these powers to solve people's maths homework. (laughs) So you get the picture. Now, as I mentioned, the show was on the Hub Network, which was a collaboration between the Discovery Channel and Hasbro, and was an attempt to rebrand the Discovery Kids Network. As you can imagine, all of the shows existed mainly to sell Hasbro products. So, Uh, I mean, it's, it's surprising but we didn't get a Monopoly cartoon which we're all still waiting for But uh, so why then did so-called bronies come to exist? Well, upon the show's creation, a site named by the name of Cartoon Brew published an article written by someone called Amid Amidi and uh, this article entitled The End of the Creator-Driven Era in TV Animation lamented the coming death of auteur-driven shows made by animators and writers with an original vision. Basically, the guy was pissed because traditional animation was being taken over by corporate animation, cynically motivated to sell toys to kids. Yep. Now, first of all, I'm not sure if Amid was living under a rock because, uh, because that dark future was already upon us and uh, had been happening for decades already. But I digress. I mean, he, he's got he's partly right mm. because it was worse at that time. It, but in, all the 90s cartoons were to sell toys, comics. In the 80s and 90s, the cartoons were made to sell toys and stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, but while this guy was, like, basically, you know, just saying something that had already happened 20 fucking years ago, in the article, Amid roasts Lauren Faust, who is the show's creative director, for spearheading such a move, um, you know, with this, uh, oh, it's made to sell ties thing, but this had an unexpected side effect. The Cartoon Brew website was a site often visited by adults, and uh, these adults, of course, haven't heard a fucking thing about My Little Pony, because, A, it's My Little Pony. B. It was on the Hub Network, which nobody's ever heard of and never will. Um, but published nine days after the show's relaunch, this article therefore brought Friendship is Magic to the attention of a handful of people. Fans of animated shit wanted to watch it to see if Lauren Faust had really fallen from grace and started chasing Yankee Dollar. Or maybe they just wanted to join in the fun and start, you know, hating on a rubbish program. See, I don't know why this, this guy... Uh, was sort of so lambasted uh, well Lauren Faust not a guy a woman for doing this because uh, she had loaded credits like p- before My Little Pony for animation writing and storyboarding and so on for a number of sort of middling cartoons I mean she did work on the Iron Giant and the Powerpuff Girls but like uh, but all the other stuff was like things like Cats Don't Dance what is that? I think it was one of the precursors to the furry movement wasn't it? I think so what? But anyway, she basically had like loads of credits and people were like, oh, but she's a genius and she's fallen to the corporate slavery. But she had a bit of cred anyway. Now working for a, a toy giant and mega corporation, Hasbro. So that's why it's sort of a lot of people got kind of angry about it. And so, as I mentioned, there were eyes on the My Little Pony cartoon that previously wouldn't have been and uh, people that previously wouldn't have even thought about watching it basically started watching it just to be angry about it. That's madness. Now, the weird thing is the lion's share of these people were from 4chan. And here's why. Basically, 4chan cunts are all edgy meme lords with a sense of humour of a fucking ant. And they all decided they would ironically start watching the show that was meant, wasn't was meant for them. Similarly to how scene kids in the UK around the same time were all turbo into Spongebob and Game Boys, if you remember. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like an ironic fandom. And, uh, yeah. 
Anyway, obviously 4chan's expectations were really low, so when they found out that the show was basically amounted to being, you know, not entirely terrible, it meant that what started as a joke, an irony-driven quote-unquote joke, turned into a 4chan actually enjoying it for real in an unironic fashion. But then this also became like double irony because 4chan being this edgelord cuntfest can now wear the I Watch A Girls TV show badge as if it somehow makes them interesting. Which I don't know if you know this, guys. That's really funny. It is. Actually. It's really funny. Like sometimes I watch Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, I mean, that's funny, isn't it? Sometimes I watch like... Because I'm not a student QVC. and that's funny. Uh, do you watch QVC? Yeah. You're so interesting. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, basically, this spawned a meme among 4chaners, and, uh, where is an image of Twilight Sparkle looking angry with the caption, I'm going to tolerate and love the shit out of you, which is uh, pictured here. What the fuck, mate? It's very funny. It's very 2010. It's very, it's very ten- 2010. It's very ha-ha. And of course, uh, this meme intrigued people too, because as it became more widespread and uh, people researched its origin, uh uh-oh, more bronies came to exist. And this is where the fandom got away from the origins as normies started to adopt it. They started seeing this meme everywhere. Although, interestingly, the term brony was coined by 4chan, and much like their love of the My Little Pony series, it was an ironic term, because it's the only type of humour that 4chan is capable of. It's like bromance, isn't it? Yeah, 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 a little bit like that. And and PC Master Race is another good uh, example of that. Would you say that uh, this is quite good timing as well with the sort of resurgence of cartoons back then? I suppose so, yeah, yeah, because uh, what else was coming around uh, at the same time? Adventure Time, Steven Universe, Gravity Falls. Yeah, so like cartoons that were kind of meant for a wide... For children, no. No, yeah, I mean, Steven Universe is a kid's show um, for children. I thought you were going to go there, but no. (laughs) No, but 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 these would have... Shut up for a second. Shut up for ages. Um, So, but but those programmes were watched by older people, and I guess maybe then they were kind of like, well... Yeah, I can... They're not... Some of them are. But uh, Steven Universe is not very good. (laughs) You haven't watched it, mate. Watch I watched one episode. It's a wicked cartoon, man. And the song. The fact that you just said wicked cartoon and it's not <laughs> a, and it's not the nineties. That proves it, man. That proves it. It's a wicked cartoon, man. Cartoon. Cartoon. Uh, but yeah, this uh, basically the normies were now jumping on board and began to use uh, the meme unironically. And while 4chan users did actually like MLP, it was never much more than a phase, a joke fandom created solely for the lulls, as it were. And. Uh, but this came to an end when regular users of 4chan got fed up of seeing pony shit everywhere and posting about the show got banned on 4chan. And to con- <laughs> consider the fact that, you know, child pornography isn't banned on 4chan, that's quite the step. Wow. And in response to this, one user from 4chan named Sethistro created a website called Equestria Daily because, uh, <laughs> you know, now it was like, you can't post on 4chan, so he created something else where people could. And, um... Yeah, basically, it posted news about the show, but also, you know, links to watch illegal uploads of it, because, you know, the show was on the Hub Network. Of course. Which was the only way to watch the show for a lot of people, and it quickly became the site for pony-related shit. But more importantly, and I think you'll see where this is going, people could send Sithistro fan content. Music videos, drawings, and so on. And I think you know, uh, I think you know where this direction is going because drawings on the internet 
All right. Yeah. Yeah. Rule yeah, 34, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, for Seth, what this basically meant was he had free content all the time because Peter, so he would post people's music videos, their drawings, and as more of these posts occurred, fans started visiting the site more often because there was always new content. And as the site got bigger and hired moderators, people, more people would send in their stuff, and this created competition. So the creations got more and more elaborate, and so this snowball effect made the fandom get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so now, a larger audience began to hear about the show completely unknowing about its 4chan origins and as a meme fandom and was simply checking out the show liking it and more importantly unusual people started to feel like they were part of an unusual club uh, there's a sort of like even worse unusualness to it because uh, have you got have you got anything about cloppers in there oh i got cloppers in there mate okay. i got cloppers for fucking days man i for the cloppers oh yeah 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 right. we're, we're, we're <laughs> james james just looked very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get to we'll get to clopping uh but, so now we know this show for little girls but how it became a mainstream fandom populated by blokes you know bloody blokes <laughs> I do think to an extent we need to talk about you know you get a couple of lagers in watch a bit of MLP yeah, it's not, no but it's not gay nah mate no it's not gay it's like watching the football but MLP MLP yeah like yeah I like it but I like women as well some of them happen to be ponies but that's alright <laughs> anyway I do think to an extent we need to talk about the actual show because I haven't really yet Um if bronies wanted to be a part of the fandom and feel like a part of a, a part of a special club, you know they could have latched onto something else like Star Trek or Critical Role or whatever. You know something equally shit and lame. <laughs> uh, but for but one reason that Jenny Nicholson states in her video, which didn't occur to me, was this. So we know that the brony fandom was very heavy on con fan content, right? Mm. Well, if you look at the character designs of these ponies, right? I mean. They're all drawn from the same template. Hair shapes, eye colour, body colour, those are different, but similarly to like the Sonic the Hedgehog. This means that not only is it very easy to make fan art, but also to draw your own original characters. Oh no. Now, as you guys know, right, there's this thing with the Sonic the Hedgehog fandom where it's, you know, it's populated by weirdos who want to have sex with those cartoon children. But the thing is, what you can do with Sonic the Hedgehog, if you put in your name followed by the Hedgehog on Google Images, you'll find somebody because they're so widespread with people making their own original sonic characters you'll find an image of say james the hedgehog mm. so we'll do that now uh just go onto your phones and type in uh, james the pony and uh sean you type in sean the pony uh and uh i'll do this i'll do the same and then we'll describe the images um i i must admit i did already do mine uh right <laughs> in image search yeah 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 my one's actually pretty fucking cool um, so I've got it's a grey pony with an angry expression and a wry smile like he's a bit roguish he's wearing a suit uh, and it's uh, oh what the fuck mate that's Harrison the pony so that's, uh, um, that does actually look kind of cool mine's it's a bit edgy though. look at that one look he's got a guitar in this one uh, mine's like mine's an edgelord he's got the same hair like black mohawk but he's uh, he's a proper dark brown pony bit like with his with a blue tail did you make this yeah and he's got a heart heart with musical notes on his butt that's the cutie mark. See, yeah. my, my one's got a, a son. Oh, God. That's, that's alarmingly similar to you in real life. I mean, you're several shades lighter, but, but the, you've also got a musical tattoo. Oh, this is uh, fucked up. You, you drew this, didn't you? Yeah, man. Okay. Oh, there's another one wearing a I watch. Think, I think mine's quite funny. Because, that's novel. Because uh, it's called Sean the Pony, and it's got like a barber tattoo on him. Oh, oh so it's like Sean, like he's, like he's Sean something. 
<laughs> well, yours is probably the most normal. Sean's is just yeah. sort of a yellow pony. And he right? looks a bit chadish. He's yeah. Like, yeah. And that's what, like, you're like in real life. You're a bit of an alpha chad. <laughs> All of James's ones are, like, the hair is quite similar to yours. That one's got a watch on, yeah. which is, you know, it's a very amusing idea. It's wearing wings. But you see, listeners, do this at home. This is how much fucking fan content exists for this. Even if your name is, like... I don't know, fuck a wala or something, like, um, then just Google it and put the pony and you'll find some it's pretty cringe fan art. But as I mentioned, you can see that how to, <laughs> oh, for goodness sake, Sean's just found a Mega Man one. Um, but you can see why everyone's creating art for this, right? Because there's a very low barrier to the, uh, to the skill needed to do this, right? It's just colouring in. So basically, exactly, the show has sort of like mad Sonic the Hedgehog energy. And uh, But in, dis- in addition to this, the episodes are short 20-minute things, right? So sometimes a new character will show up for a single scene in an episode or more, a place or a concept or whatever. But this means the show was well open to making up theories or writing fan fiction, which, as we know, is always high quality. And, uh, yeah, and it's fairly obvious that these uh, uh, these parts of the show are just plot devices or whatever, but, but fat neckbeards, you know, they love to overanalyze shit. So here we are. We have loads of people making fucking shitty fan content. And I guess what the ease which people could make art for this show and fan content also meant that vendors and real artists could do the same. And that's how the show was quickly able to support its own full-scale conventions, a privilege only offered to a few other things like vaping and Star Trek, right? So it's like now this kid's cartoon had its own full-scale conventions and now the bronies were not only watching the show but attending large-scale cons buying what amounts to an advert on a t-shirt and they'll be cruising down the road with their twilight sparkle hat and their applejack shoes and chugging on their unicorn vape listening to a mini disc with fan songs about the show on it and you know then some other like-minded weirdo sees this guy looking so happy and thinks well that could be me and voila another brony is born now, it's not abnormal to see merch vultures wearing adverts, but the amount of fan-made merch out there vastly outweighed any actual official merch, and so word of the fandom reached even bigger heights than it had any right to. And that's enough, I think, of the show's rise from hub network to cultural phenomenon, so I'm going to shift topics a bit here. Go on. A while back, I found a video of a young man coming out to his dad. as oh, a Oh, yes. As a brony, right? We've all seen this, and... Uh, Yes, pretty cringe. Unsurprisingly, he's a fat, sweaty nerd and a fan of insane clown posse, but he tells his dad about something called clopping. Dad? Yeah? Hey, uh, can I tell you something? Um, okay. Alright, well, are, are you sitting down right now? I'm at, uh, the grandma- I'm at our grandmother's watching the dog, why? Um, alright, uh... Dad, I've been wanting to tell you this for a while now, but, um, uh, guys, it's kind of hard to say. Um, I'm a brony. What the hell is that? I watch My Little Pony, Dad. What? I watch My Little Pony with my friends. I'm a brony. That's really gay. Actually, I'm sorry, that gay. is gay. Um. Are you uh, gay or something? Are you gay? No, Dad. I'm not. Dad, I'm not gay. It's a lot of my friends watch it. We all watch it. A couple of my friends even have the action Are figures. Are you gay? No. What the? What the hell is this? What? What happened with the ICP thing? What happened with the? Uh, I still like ICP. It's called a hatchet pony. What happened pony. with the cars and what happened with fucking wanting to build motorcycles? 
I'm still doing all that, but I, I, you're it's... You're telling me now, you're telling me now, you replaced, like, what, you know, you replaced wanting to fix up cops and motorcycles to fucking watching a child show? Dad, it's not a child show. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, My Little Pony, excuse me, a fucking show about, what was it, toys? It's, a, it's about friendship and magic. Oh, friendship and magic. Totally not a child show, please, come on. Dad, there's a Dad, there's a really big fan base, and they even have a they even have a convention in San Diego that with like homosexuals. Dad, they're not dude. Girls even um grown women even come to this thing. There's a huge fan base. There's a huge fan. Acceptable for women because it's a show about fucking cartoon characters talking about love and fucking kiss and rainbows, sunshine, all that other shit. Because I, I already told I already told mom and she told me she. Are you coming out of the closet? No, dad, I'm not gay. And that's why you always underscored your fucking computer whenever I walk in. That's why you always turned off your monitor. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, I I kind of uh watch porn, relating to ponies. What? What? It's called clopping. What? What are you? His dad's like, "Is this gay?" And he's like, "No, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm slapping the meat to uh, female ponies. How is that gay?" You know. But um, so clopping, uh, a misuse of the verb describing a horse moving, is when people jerk the pickle, slap the man meat, play the hairy meat whistle, while watching this cartoon. Now I say this again, like I did during during the furry one, but thumbing at your little nub while looking at an image of an animal is wrong. Similarly, so for a child. And a cartoon, well, that's a bit weird, but, you know, come on, mate. You know, <laughs> jerking it to a cartoon. But still, like, if you're an adult male man jerking it to a cartoon animal child, I feel like there's at least some part of your inner thoughts that need examination. And so we all know of Rule 34, as James well mentioned earlier, which is the rule that if something exists, there is porn of it. So clearly, there's dirty drawings of literally everything ever, but the difference with MLP is that similar to the furries, there's so much of it that you could just casually stumble across it when searching for the show innocently, right? Mm. That, and that's a problem. And that's a rather large problem when you remind yourself that this is a show meant for girls aged between 3 and 10. So, yeah. This is where it gets weird, boys. Oh, no. Now, if you'll forgive me, I'll tell a little anecdote here. I used to work with a guy who was an artist, not a professional one, mind you, which is why we worked at a tech support company. But he would make a tidy sum of pocket money drawing shit for commissions. Normal stuff like cool fan art of Marvel characters for someone's birthday or a stylized cartoon of a family that they could hang on the wall in their home. Or Now, that's all well and good, but those types of commissions, they're very few, very far between. And that's when any artist will tell you who has an online presence that you're likely to get DMs by the dozen on a daily basis asking you to draw their bizarrely specific weird kink for which no art currently exists. So he once showed me a drawing that was uh, to be one in a series of drawings by some weirdo that had contacted him where Lara Croft was standing outside her mansion with the bloke who had commissioned the art and a big blue alien dude, both of which were her boyfriends. So, you know, well, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, and you see where that, where that was going to evolve to. They're yeah. standing outside the mansion now, they go in. They have a cup of tea. Oh, right, yeah. Lara Croft, uh-oh, she spills a bit of tea on her. Oh, I've got to take off these tea clothes immediately and put them into the wash. 
and so on. But yeah, but this is all relevant, right? Because with the wave of new fans who are into the series for like really dirty clopping reasons, the con scene for MLP saw the proliferation of pornographic art featuring one or more characters in the show. Uh, and you know, this being one of those specific I, I types of fantasy lusted after by nutters with more money than sense, these images would sell like Bobby Evans's bumhole down on the docks on a Friday night. <laughs> so there are people that into the brony fandom, right? They want to buy a picture of a, ho- uh, a, a cartoon child horse having sex with another cartoon child horse. And, the, yeah. you know, that's all fine. But these conventions were attended largely by adults. But in addition to this, children who had no idea about bronies and were just avid enjoyers of a cartoon. You, you know, you could say to your mum, oh, there's this whole convention about it. Can you take me? And then... Oh, that would suck, man. And then there's porn everywhere. That I mean, that is... Up. It is fucked up. Do I have still porn I feel stalls? like it actually should be a crime. Yeah, yeah, they did. So they did have porn stalls. And, you know, if you've ever been to a con- convention where you have an artist's area, yeah. there's always this big board behind them yeah. with all of it hanging up. And, yeah, it was like that. Kids <laughs> coming in. Imagine being a parent not knowing about this stuff existing and then suddenly... You'd be like, oh, yeah, can you choose an image you like and they come Scott. back. <laughs> they come back. Uh-huh. Here's £10. Go, go off, bring an image. And they're, and they're like, oh, this one, she's got like a really weird thick tail in between her legs. Yeah, yeah oh, look, look at this one. It's got like a really sticky wand. Oh. <laughs> Parents didn't really use the internet back then either, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, 2010, they definitely did. But I don't think they would have stumbled across brony fucking porn art. But a solution was not to ban these types of image, but to have 18 plus areas curtained off, you know. And in the case of BronyCon, which was the uh, biggest of the brony conventions, they restricted the sale of 18 plus material to be strictly under the counter. Additionally, remember how simple these characters are to draw. So what artists started doing was taking requests at the conventions for specific things like Rainbow Dash outside her mansion with her human, one human, one alien boyfriend. <laughs> now, this restriction of the art is all well and good, but let's say you're a kid about 10 years old, right? You notice an 18-plus area, and that knowledge in and of itself could be damaging because you're gonna, if you're curious in any way, right, you might end up accidentally finding some of these images on the internet. Yeah, but why don't they, like, section the room off with, like, some beads and that? Like yeah, this? but they did, but then you see 18 plus only. Yeah. And imagine going, well, what's in there? Your mum goes, don't ever ask. And oh, you yeah. get home. Google it, My Little Pony, 18 plus, plus only. And then you And then you're going to see some pretty sh- damaging shit. So, that's, I mean, that is rough. Yeah, that's true. That's rough. And the thing is, it's, I think, I think, pretty close to being a crime. Because I don't know, if you're a brony, you're attending these events, right? If you don't say something about the fact that there's pornographic images that children could see, you're sort of part of the problem, right? Yeah. I these people should have been beaten up. Yeah, they should have been, really. But anyway. It's not for them. Yeah. Now, this is a big part of why this type of thing caught on um, was, you know, literally because of furries. It should come as no surprise that furries saw this cartoon catching on, jumped in with both feet and made it weird. But I think it's a sad <laughs> state of affairs when it, this is kind of expected, right? It, everyone knew this was going to come back to, to furries at some sort of point, right? Yeah. And, you know, jerking it to the cartoon horse children is the expected outcome of a kid's show becoming popular. Yeah. And that just tells me, you know... Just to let you know, like, ponies aren't horses, they're ponies. Eh? Whatever. Horses, <laughs> ponies, it doesn't matter. Equine. Unicorns aren't ponies either, but they're in the show. So suck it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but what's interesting is, right, within the first couple of years, many of the content creators surrounding the fandom had been anti-furry and anti-clopping. But as it became more accepted as the norm, close to 100% of them came out as furries, as did a wide population of bronies. And uh, fuck, it was probably this show that made them realise that they were, in fact, you know, they were born in a human body, but they're skateboarding foxes who go to a high school, you know? That's fucked up, man. It is fucked up. Oh, why do you have to remind me of that image, man? I hate that <laughs> image so much. <laughs> Just Google skateboarding fox furry, you'll find it. It's beautiful. It's quite well drawn. You've seen Avenue, James. Yeah, but I'm just going to do it again. Don't do it again. It's mad lad. (laughs) Absolute mad lad. So all of a sudden, right, you have a huge portion of the fan base that gravitated towards it because they were furries. Another huge portion of the fan base who came out as furries or became furries because of the show. And then you had children and people who just liked a cartoon. But now these people were in the minority. I mentioned that the cons already and, and, you know, how they quickly became huge. But this invasion and full takeover by the furries was around the time the conventions got as big as they did because furries. They loved to spend their money on merch, right? Expensive suits and so on. And while the original BronyCon hosted about 30 people, the real BronyCon started in 2012 in Baltimore in a huge con space. And it was a massive success. Lauren Faust was there, several voice actors. You had bands that sung about the show performing, weird sex parties popping up. It was so huge, in fact, that imitators started popping up all over the place, including one place, one con in our merry old England called UK PonyCon. Oh, piss off. And it should surprise no one that it's in Nottingham. Ah, because they were having sex with horses up there before it was cool, you know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that one UK Ponygon is still going. It's going. It's happening this year. I thought uh, the brony fandom sort of died out. Though. It did, and uh, we will talk about that. But apparently, there's still enough of them around to uh, for it to keep going. So I don't know. But yeah. This period in the show's life was like a fucking gold rush, basically. If you could put a con together for a show, you basically had the license to print money, right? And uh, it, it was just insane. People selling left, right, and centre, weird art, bands making shitloads of money. And what's incredible, though, is that the bands, performers, content creators, and so on became famous within brony circles. And because the fandom at the time was so massive, these people could make a living off content made out of another show. To give you an idea, on the list of musicians area in the My Little Pony wiki, there are 3,642 fan artists listed. What? Now, consider that this list only includes the well-known ones, and they were playing, honestly, James, like, you see the footage of it, to thousands of people. What the fuck? Just rapping about ponies, making, like, dance music about ponies, and they're going fucking crazy. And even in one of the later ones, they were on the second floor of a convention space, and uh, they were made not to jump because there were too many fucking furry, pony-ass, brony guys going mental jumping to the music that the people got afraid that the floor would collapse. And so Do Not Jump became a meme within the brony circles. But Jesus yeah. Christ. So it's a, pretty, it's a pretty sad state of affairs when, you know... I know people who work really hard on their music that struggle to get 10 listens, you know? Yeah. And it's like, then now you just make a song about a pony and they're just like singing about fucking Twilight Sparkle and shit. Well, it's the same as like Baby Shark. They're a bit like billionaires now, isn't it? It's It's not quite the same as Baby Shark because that's at least an original, as much as you can call it a composition, you know? 
at least it's not a song about a show, like full albums about a kids' TV show making it big. I mean, that's, yeah, that's Andrew WK slightest. did do an entire concept album about Gundam, which is yes. sad, but, uh, <laughs> you know. That's great, though. <laughs> it's sort of great at the same time, yes. Interestingly, though, if you click on any of these fan artists, you see them trying to ride the wave of the Brony fandom long after the fandom had died, and these musicians are getting, like, 10 views now, where once they had millions, like... Sorry for the spoiler, but as we know, yeah, the the fandom dies. Anyway, if you were a brony, famous for being a brony, like if you're in a band or a podcast or something, they uh, in the circles of the bronies, they called it horse famous. Oh my gosh, <laughs> fucking horse famous. They, that was that. That's what they actually said. Like, are you horse famous? Uh, yeah, man. I'd like to like, interject again and say that ponies are ponies and horses are horses. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Isn't a pony a small horse? No. It's a pony. It doesn't matter. It, in fuck in this fucking show, right? They use as a broader term for any equine creature that includes Pegasus, unicorns, ponies, and horses. Okay, all right. Look, if we're gonna get into semantic arguments, these people are showing pornography to children. I think that's yeah. quite a lot worse that's, than calling a horse a pony. That's quite yeah. It's more pressing that. Anyway, while I was doing research about these bands, I found quite an amusing image. This is quite low quality, but as the camera pans across this gigantic crowd, you see a bunch of normal people, then a person dressed as a pony, just like on the left, sort of poking in there, <laughs> and it's it's very amusing. Um, but that that is like it sort of made me hate humanity seeing that. But anyway. It wasn't just musicians that uh, got catapulted into fame. So too did everyone who worked on the fucking show because this was mainly viewed by obsessive adults. The type to research the show's production. It meant that even actors who voiced one character for one episode could make a fortune doing the con circuits and appearing on panels. So there were horse-famous people and people that worked on the show that were almost completely unknown to the wider populace, but during con season were appearing at cons in blacked-out limos, sitting backstage in elaborate green rooms, requesting stuff for their rider, performing or presenting to tens of thousands of people, and uh, all in service to a kids' show about horses. And, like, supposedly from the times, like, there was rivalries from other bands, they were getting fights backstage, like, and they were treated like real celebrities. Like, so when I say up. that they arrived in blacked-out limos, they really did. Like, they were mobbed by fans outside, you know, like, horse-famous people. Horse-famous. <laughs> horse. So, obviously, earlier on, I mentioned the merch. Now, the originally... Um, the show had no merch except the toys and that gap was filled by independents at the cons selling candles, towels, body pillows, $700 teddies and so on. But clearly the hub network couldn't miss out on that cash money so they released a fuck ton of merch, one of which being toys obviously, and these toys kept their trademark brushable hair and even included new characters not seen in the show but bronies hated these for two reasons. One, the hair wasn't show accurate because obviously it doesn't look like real hair in the show yeah. and two they only wanted toys of the six main characters for the show hopefully the heads turned though uh, uh, no and so the uh, bronies <laughs> got their way and the toys for the first time in their history lost their brushable hair and became just static statues which were show accurate and sold mainly in blue packaging because you know boys and then for similar reasons they released the guardians of harmony line of action figures which came with guns and rocket launchers because you know bros love guns oh yeah man let's make it more manly that's a typical hasbro move it really is but it worked sadly these people bought loads of it so it was inevitable that we would get a brony role-playing game eventually because in 
such a male dominated hobby which does attract a lot of weirdos there's going to be some bronies right you, you just know it yeah. made by river horse games i think that i don't know if that they formed to make this rpg and Sounds published it. by hasbro tales of equestria is uh, appears to be the only role-playing game that river horse ever made but there's also so many fan games too pony finder for pathfinder the savage world of equestria and of course one for 5e but perhaps the stupidest is fallout equestria no. <laughs> and this Fallout Equestria, right, is based on a number of comics mashing up the two worlds. And there was also a fan animation done of it too. And it's basically Fallout, but everyone's inexplicably a horse. What the fuck, man? Yeah, and, and uh, what's, what's really dumb, right, is that the only real difference is that because they're horses and they can't, uh, you know, their the, the hands, they don't have hands, uh, it, mo- most of the main characters are unicorns which hold the guns psychically above their heads and not have shootouts and that. Why don't uh. you just have, like, mounts, gun mounts? On well, I mean, that that would be cool, but it's it's actually kind of dumb because in the actual show, the ponies use their hands like hands yeah, anyway. So it's like, it's like, well, why did you do that? Well, like, another show that, that was created by this person, Powerpuff Girls, they don't have hands, they still carry... They just have those stumps, yeah, exactly. And, you know, like, uh, the Fallout Equestria, right, it got so big that he was selling hardback collector's editions of it at cons, like, really professionally what? produced, like, Fallout Equestria, using two licenses he didn't have the right to use and got away with it. That's what it was like, man. It was a fucking gold mine. We should have wow. started a podcast back then. Yeah. We'd be billionaires by now or something. We'd be horse famous, lads. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have a problem here. Y'all act like you never seen a pig pony before. Eyes on the floor like Mrs. Cake is being a whore. With me babysitting worse than before. Apples in the corn? Had apple cores rotten now. And now Twilight's like, no, what a catastrophe. She didn't use the legend of the mirror pool, did she? And then Spike said, nothing you bronies. Spike's a bonehead. He's hiding under his bed. Brony guys love Pinkie Pie. I'm sick of her, look at her Hopping around, checking her you-know-what In front of you-know-who Yeah, but she's so fun, though Before we get into the RPGs, a quick note on how and why the brony phenomenon went from meme to subculture to dead. Well, essentially, the show started to be made just for the bronies, right? The 100th episode was basically all for them. All it was was a load of stuff including confirmation of popular fan theories about the characters and, of course, a scene which I sent Sean the other day of a pony blasting dubstep while wearing sunglasses indoors because, for some reason, furries love dubstep. They love vaping. And that's the... And so, uh, Sean, uh, the, the scene, do you want to describe it? Oh, I forgot to watch it. Really Brilliant. Sure. Brilliant. Anyway, um, yeah, so there's a, a pony playing the cello, and then there's another one with sunglasses who's, like, really extreme, sort of doing a bit of mixing on the decks, and then dubstep starts playing, and one of them's like, oh, my God, I'm late for the ball, or something like this. And then his huge stack of speakers, which he's he's got the decks on on the front, smashes through the wall, and he's riding through the streets and playing dubstep, and then loads of other ponies are getting on board this craft and, like, loving it, and, like, it's, oh, it's one of the most cringe things I've ever seen. It's like, wub, wub, wub. And then the person's playing the cello and they're like headbanging and shit. Awful. Absolutely awful. But that was the 100th episode. Now, it meant that the, the show had got away from the bronies and they essentially uh, got away from the original uh, intention and now was given to the bronies. They now owned the series. And it became less about a sincere attempt to enjoy something innocent meant for little girls that had fun characters and uncomplicated plots involving being nice to each other. And now it was just about brony culture, appealing to that fan base specifically and have gone further and further away from its original form. And additionally, of course, we need to talk about Nazis. 
What? Homophobia and gatekeeping. I did not see that one coming, man. Nice, Sean, nice. I knew we got you here for a reason. <laughs> so this fandom about a girl's cartoon whose message is to love and tolerate everyone we uh, was, as we've learned, watched by adult men. So it's not difficult to imagine they're accused of being gay all the time, as if such an ac- accusation was a bad thing anyway. But this led to a lot of the more vocal fans in Congo as to be, like, really anti-gay because I suppose they were fed up of the assumptions. In addition to that, the furries who are walking around in full pony fursuits as their original characters saw the anti-gay thing and thought, brilliant, you know, this is a bit of me, and jumped in like a pair of boots. Uh, Because as we know, for some reason, Nazi furries are a sub-subculture of furries, where in order to deal with their latent racism left in their hearts, they wear Gestapo uniforms or Luftwaffe outfits on top of their fursuits. So now you had, so in this kids' con, let's let's just remind people of that. You had Nazis, people consistently trying to prove their manliness by vaping and enjoying dubstep, gay people being ostracised. In addition to all of this, the bronies were now accusing women of jumping on the bandwagon. And in Je- Jenny Nicholson's video, she asked, uh, she talks about having watched the show before the brony fandom even existed. But when she arrived at BronyCon, being asked a series of trivia questions uh, to prove she wasn't a poser. So we got to this what, level now. It's what like, the fuck? It's gay bashing. We got Nazis. We got fucking women hating. We got all of it. All of it's there. So girls who were the original intended audience cared less and less, and people didn't want to associate with Nazis, and the gay people felt unwanted. And kids who seemed to be mostly absent from this conversation, well, while the show had got away from them and the fandom had turned into a Republican circle jerk, many kids stopped going to the big cons altogether. Because while there were restrictions on selling pornography to children, one thing that is worth mentioning is, uh, is that although these was now sold under the table, there was a lot of sordid stuff right there that wasn't considered to be expressly pornographic. Body pillows, for example. You know how suggestive they always are. Yeah, well, they always just have, like, an image of someone, you know, looking innocent on it. Yeah, well, it's not, like, outright filth, but for those not in a know, a body pillow is a long pillow, usually with a sexy anime woman on it, Mm. that you're supposed to cuddle in bed rather than use to prop up one's head. I used to know uh, a guy, uh, it's quite sad, actually, um, he had, like, uh, this, like, I would say slightly obscure visual novel called Fruits of Grisaya, and he had a whole, like, bedroom full of body pillows of... Who's this? Um, it was a it was a guy on a, a Facebook group, um, and he had uh, I knew him kind of semi personally, and because uh, he was like the author, like as weirdos are usually really up on the info and stuff, and he had like a full bedroom of body pillows, and he had a bit of, like a picture of him in like a tuxedo with all these body pillows. Jesus. Um, yeah, fucking hell I like the um, <laughs> I like the idea of a body pillow if it's blank because it's serving yeah, a purpose yeah but not with like a sexual well yeah and, and like but the, yeah the, you can get the anime ones where it's just that's that's full on titties <laughs> like 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 100% now now the, the case of the pony ones right they did have the child animal characters from the show sort of like on them but it was just mainly them like sort of sweating biting their lip covering up their tits kind of thing which is like not filth but it's not right for a child to see, is it? No. So, you know, and that's awkward to hear, but bear in mind, right, it's much, much more awkward to actually look at. Imagine, right, trying to explain this to your daughter, right? You're at a con, you see one of these body pillows, right, that are allowed to be just presented out in the open for some reason, right? And then a Nazi unicorn walks past. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a rough situation. 
So yeah, the kids basically stop being allowed to go all together. And the problem is, if you can't congregate with other bronies, you know, because of all these sort of moral reasons, can you really consider yourself to be a part of the fandom? And for these people, the answer is no, to them anyway, because what it is, is you know, they, you, if you look at anime con, right? You know, when they do the lead up to the con and on the forums, people are talking about it. Like, what's your favorite part about anime con? And it's like, just wearing my costume and being myself. Yeah, you know, and like yeah, really cringe yeah. shit like that. Uh, so, I know, I know. But th- so, so no, now, but like, loads of people wouldn't go because they didn't want to be associated with shitheads. And as a result, most people just stopped caring and moved on. And as the Friendship as Magic series become, uh, began to come to an end, and the new generation started with new characters and went back to its roots, the fandom died. By all accounts, though, the last BronyCon was amazing. Because while the numbers had dwindled for years, everyone who had ever been to one of these came back for the final Tucker. And that's where the story ends, not with a bang, but for a whimper. As fan bases always do, they ate themselves, forgot why they got into it in the first place and made it about them. And like Bobby Evans, they resembled Hitler just a little bit too much. What about like, uh, not with a bang, but with a distant neigh? Yeah, that's nice. Do try to speak (laughs) up though, because we want the listeners to actually hear what you're saying. Um, Well, that part, uh, well, sorry, sorry. But with that out of the way, should we talk about some role-playing games? (laughs) (laughs) I did consider making this a two-parter because this is the longest notes I've ever done yeah well I suppose you needed the history behind it to understand it you've got to have the context and also it'll help you to understand the role playing games better which I don't know if that's a good thing or not but we'll see we'll see we'll see But, uh, yeah, let's do some role playing games we'll talk about the official one first Tales of Equestria Hey YouTube this is Wacky Red Fifteen, and I'm gonna make a phone call to Rarity. And yeah, I'm using my dad's phone. And yeah, I'll call her right now. How can I help? Hello, Rarity. The idea of this game, right, is is uh, it's about being good and kind to one another rather than killing. Yep. Sounds Which, good. Yep. Your stats are represented by a dice chain similar to Savage Worlds, uh, where you roll larger dice, the better you are at something. Now, the three main races in the game uh, are represented, uh, the ones from the show. So it's those being Earth Ponies, which are horses. You got anything to say on that, Sean? <laughs> they are not. And then Pegasi, who can fly, and Unicorns, who have psionic abilities. So you determine your stats, which are body, mind, and charm, then your talents, which are your skills. And you also have stamina, which is your HP. And when this hits zero, you don't die, but you're knocked out, you run away, or you have an excuse to leave quickly, you just never die. So ponies also have to pick out a cutie mark, which is the uh, this tramp stamp uh, on, on the arse of each character in the series. And this right. is determined by your best skill. So it could be if you have the hot, stout heart talent and you might have a steel heart as your fucking mark on your ass, basically. Yeah. So something like that. And uh, or if you know, uh, if you have the loose anus talent, <laughs> which is a thing. No, it's not. Of course it isn't. It should be. I wish it was. You've got that, in fact, with, yeah. your, with your gas. No, it's tight anus, James. Tight anus. Oh, yeah. He's got loose penis i don't even know what i mean by that (laughs) but that's roughly the long and short of tales of equestria it's a very simple game with simple rules and everything is presented with a large font very forgiving descriptions of how to run a game and in general the layout and art is 
fine, but it looks like the show, basically. Okay. I mean, because it's, it's the official Hasbro one, then. Yeah, yeah, Tales of Equestria. And I, I don't know, whoever first discovered, do you know that Tales, as in a, having a tale, and uh, a story, as in a tale, are similar, because we've been getting a lot of that, like, and, and Roll and Roll are very similar as well, so you could do a lot with that. But anyway, uh, yeah, Tales of Equestria, uh, that's, uh, that's it's fine. The trouble is, though, is that I... It claims to be about role-playing and friendship, right? But I don't think the authors knew how to enforce that from a gameplay standpoint, and they just basically made it like any other RPG. You have these things called friendship tokens, but these are just like re-roll tokens. You gain more by being a helpful friend, you know, and can help each other out with them. Which is a nice touch, but the skills, mechanics, and the types of character you play all seem to enforce the same types of behaviour as any other RPG. You're just going to be going around punching shit, except the difference is you're a horse. And, of course, you might be, you know... Fucking something as well. Oh, gosh. No, just a little bit, James. I said, oh, gosh. Clopping. (laughs) Yeah, not good, not amazing, and uh, I don't think it would feel like the show to play. There was my little pony, my little pony. We have, as a group, you know, we moved on from Pathfinder for some time, and it's uh, still burned into my memory. So let's take a look at Pony Finder. Now, this is an actual published setting for Pathfinder made by a company called Silver Games and is a platinum bestseller for the Pathfinder iteration. And despite being named for the Pathfinder system, it's also got adaptations for Starfinder and D&D 5e. But how can this be? I hear you ask. How can these guys just use the My Little Pony IP in their third-party product? Well, here's what they've done, lads. They basically changed all the names. So Equestria is, now, Equestria is now called Everglow, and basically the setting is the Galarian, the main Pathfinder setting, right? The um, got, gets invaded by loads of fake creatures from like a sort of adjacent realm, like pixies, elves, slards, and uh, of course unicorns, horses, and so on. So they all have a big fight, and all the ponies win, and uh, now humans are exceedingly rare. Beyond the setting, the book is basically just a huge bag of new races to play. You've got unicorns, pegasus, earth ponies, flying cats called Persians, dragons, and this, this makes me cringe. There's one called flutter ponies. Get out. They're just uh, like pixie-sized unicorns. Well, well, it doesn't sound too bad, actually. It just sounds like a uh, Pathfinder, but with like a mod on it. Like Yeah, to- it's just loads of... If you want to play pony races, there you go. You still use the same classes as you would from Pathfinder, so it's... It's fine, uh, but the pages for the races, right? This is what's interesting: is that they loads of great care and attention has gone into making them look like a Pathfinder product, and they include original art of the ponies from the series, done exactly in the style of the series, and somehow they got away with this. So, um, with it, because the only and how they got away with it, sorry, rambling, is that uh, they just didn't name them. So, like for example, in the Earth Pony page, it contains a, a picture of Applejack looking exactly as she does in the series but it just it's just saying earth pony by the way that's like applejack but it never actually mentions her by name so they sort of got away with it so i think we should make an official rpg for like something else you know like what's what's hot right now what's hot right now uh married at first sight australia that's pretty hot at the minute but we just papa roach so we make the official papa roach rpg (laughs) but we just we don't include the characters in there we just don't name them Done. Like Chad Flexingman or whatever the singer's called, yeah. Uh, Jack, uh, J- Jacob Shaddix. Is that really his name? Uh, j- yeah, sometimes he changes it to Chad or something. But it's oh Jacob Shaddix. So, and uh, in in this game, right? Um, you get whenever you get damaged, you either lose your sight 
or lose your mind. <laughs> and, and, and in order to be healed, you ha- somebody has to tell you you're fine. Yeah, you have to roll to wish that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah, so the Pegasus page has Rainbow Dash on there as well, and Princess Celestia is all, also mentioned in the lore, albeit with her name changed to Princess Luna. And there's just full-on artwork of her in there. It's just this straight up the character. But now, I can only imagine that the reason they got away with this is because Hasbro simply don't know it exists. That's, that's the only thing I can Probably. think. Because the likenesses are exact, and they could have easily just changed the tramp stamp on each pony and said it was a new character, but no, they're exactly the same. So... And the write-ups for the races are, like, quite nice. They never go over a page long, and the racial abilities are at least interesting. For example, Pegasi can walk on clouds as if they were solid ground. So, you know, if you one of your party vapes, which they probably do, Mate, yes. then you just vape up a fat cloud. That's a set of stairs. Done. Done. Hashtag. Oh, that's cool. No, I don't think it is cool, actually. No, it's not actually. <laughs> but yeah, the Pegasus is also flying, can move fast, and all this stuff. And then uh, all of the pony races are also non-dexterous, meaning they struggle to use their hooves to pick shit up Good. for some reason. Uh, but they usually fight with a weapon in their mouth. Oh yeah, so they which, can't talk. Oh, yeah, but at the very least, it makes it interesting for magic users, right? Yeah. If you want to switch to your sword and you're trying to say a spell while so you've got your sword, flip it up. Magic missile. But then the sword comes down, point downwards. Uh-oh. Catch it wrong. Catch it wrong. Fucked. Dead. Dead, mate. So, yeah, pretty odd product, but not actually terrible. The races are pretty nice, started well, and give some unique racial traits to play at the table. I would never use it, though, because I've got dignity, <laughs> you know. Okay. Let's be quiet. We're not singing. All right, ready? Go. My little pony. My little pony. Ah, my little pony. The most famous fan RPG, though, is Role Playing is Magic. And I bet Hasbro are kicking themselves by not using that name because it's way better than Tales of Equestria. Um, but the book starts out with a contents page, which is not very surprising. But while flipping through the book, I glanced at the page and I saw a chapter heading which said, Who is Best Pony? Question <laughs> mark. Which Good made drama. me cringe, and then I saw a picture of all the author's pony original characters posing for a photo, and I died of cringe, so you know, I'm actually a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's like, it's like deviant art the game, wow. a little bit, but... Um, What's cool about this game, though, and something it lays out straight away, is that this book actually has four editions. The first coming around, uh, coming out around the same time as the first series, and was updated with new content from each subsequent season. Four editions. Yeah, because it's they they would do they would uh, update it every year when the new shit had happened, and then add all of the new stuff in there, which Man, is like that's dedication. It is, and that's what Hasbro should have been doing. But then I suppose it's easier for these guys because it was like download only. But yeah, I still think it's a nice touch. But yeah, four editions it is. Uh, oh. I don't know. But it's now that we find out who is best pony, um, <laughs> because after telling us what role what a role playing game is and what we need to play, each member of the team introduces themselves and their original character for reasons that have baffled scientists for years, and then says which of the main characters is their favourite and why. Not that anybody asked, but for some reason they felt that it, there's two pages wasted on them going, "I like Applejack. She's strong and she's really sexy." And is, it, is it meant to be like one of those uh, sort of things? So like, hey, meet the creators. Oh, oh, it's like that. I thought it was like sort of like you know, uh, 
So Jack rolls a ten. What should he do? No, no, it's not. It's not like that. It's just literally them just going. Oh yeah, I like Twilight Sparkle because she's a goth or whatever. It's horrible. It's That's stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more fodder for the website rather than being in the actual book. But f- you know, fortunately, it's quite short. But here's here's a funny thing. The character creation follows something called the Octavia. Like it's like an acronym, Octavia, which is a reference to the character Octavia, who plays the cello in that nightmare-inducing dubstep scene from episode one hundred. And Octavia stands for Origins, Characterizations, Traits, Advantages, Virtue, Interests, and Advancement. Now, bear in mind, advancement is not a stat, but it's the final step of character creation is to read the page about leveling up. So you can really tell they were struggling to fit something in for that last one. Yeah. But I got a suggestion. Instead, I got a suggestion. Instead of advancement. Arse tattoo. Oh, yeah. Because then you do the cutie mark. Cutie mark. I think you were right about the cease and desist. Uh, It's just that Hasbro didn't know about it. Uh, You're going back to Pony Finder now. uh, Well, I thought it would apply to this one as well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Go on. Uh, because they did put a cease and desist on the fighting game, uh, Fighting is Magic. They did, yes, uh, and that actually looked quite good as uh, a fighting they, game. They've now changed... <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, um, it looks very similar to Skullgirls, uh, but now they've changed it to... Uh, they've changed all the characters and called it Them's Fighting Herds, which I think is a better... That's <laughs> a better name, Fucking actually. Hell. I like that. But they're cows in it now. Because is it a herd of horses or isn't it a pack? No, it's a herd. I think it might be a pack. Pack of A gaggle. Swarm of horses. A jackrabbit. Horse swarm. Sean, Sean's like, his mic technique, he's just like this. He's like... <clears throat> you're literally... Right. Dancing. I might me. edit you entirely out of this episode. Thank you. And life. All right, cool. Now, for most of these, right, the Octavia thing, for example, characterizations and interest, you're just going to spitball with other players and come up with something interesting. And then the others, you just pick a stat block, essentially. So, for example, you could pick Egghead. So you start with three mind. And uh, there's Daredevil, where you start with two body and one heart and so on. And each race, race then gets natural abilities and special abilities. For example, unicorns, and indeed all horse-based races will choose a special purpose which can be anything you want and you get plus two bonus when using a skill check which tends towards that purpose but unicorns also start with uh, telekinesis and may spend points on their special abilities one of which is called friendship is magic which is allows them to use spells now the one cool thing about this game is magic is largely improvised although it does come with some sample ones but the scope of magic is increased as you spend ability points so for example if you put two points into magic that means you can create spells which are immediate or sustained can target groups of up to five people and encompass two subjects and subjects are limited to your special purpose your talents and a list of elements like water energy heat so let's say you picked a smart cookie talent and your special purpose is to de- destroy the evil wizard Bobby Evans. Well, then you could make a spell that uses your brains and works against evil. So you might have detect evil or change alignment or something like that. So you just kind of make them up, which is kind of cool, I guess. Although probably pretty prone to breaking the game. Yeah. Because you just go, oh, my special purpose is to time travel. <laughs> yeah. And then you can just beat the game. But I suppose you could restrict it to them. Just just use the old the old uh, the list. 
But then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's alright. And then each character has to choose an edge, and these are categorized into virtues, story edges, power edges, skills, racial, and so on. And, for example, you might have, there's one called Big Crown Thingy, which is a story edge where you start with a magic item, or you might take musical number, right? You'll be into this, Sean, as a Steven Universe fan. A power edge, which allows you to perform a song to help teammates recover. I mean, that doesn't, I mean... Because uh, I mean, Steven Universe has got a lot of those bare faggy songs in it. They're really good songs, though. and also they're not like singing to power up people. It's just song. It's just like a, like musical. But numbers. often, do the musical numbers hit at a point where the characters are at a low point, and then somehow afterwards they re- realise the inspiration helps them get out of the situation? Because if so, not really. I mean, so it's basically sometimes. My Little Pony. <laughs> no, it's like not, Ste- no, oh, but Steven's universe. It's really good. So calling it Steven's universe. That's what it is. It's his universe. No, but he is Steven Universe. Have you ever watched Steven's Universe, no. James? No. no. I wouldn't bother. You guys aren't cultured anyway, so... You're not fucking cultured. <laughs> Look, it's a really good show. Go and watch it. Uh, if we've learned one thing today, it's a Steven Universe. Really good show. Go and watch it. But anyway, yeah, so Sean, you, you're up for performing a musical number at the table while playing this My Little Pony game to help people recover. Are you coming with your own little song written up? Stronger than you, or whatever it's called, that Steven's Universe one. Uh, <coughs> well, you want me to sing a Steven Universe number? No, you're going to sing a song. Why about did you have to look after her? Aside from in a literal sense, don't you know that a power that big comes with a bigger expense? No, I'll leave it. Actually, I think. <laughs> James and I just looked at each other with absolute bewilderment there. Yeah, that was the. I'm leaving that in, sadly. <coughs> gutted <laughs> but anyway most of these edges are like really loose in their descriptions for example there's one called fan club where your character has a group of diehard fans and you just kind of bullshit away for them to impact the story once an episode and there are skills too there's a hundred in fact and they're basically every skill you can think of rather uninteresting anyway so running the game you roll 2d6 and try to beat a difficulty number adding all the relevant skill and attribute numbers and you get to roll 3d6 if you're using a tool and drop the lowest number and you add plus one for each friend assisting you rolling a double is a crit now the way the game is run is it's broken down into episodes and scenes are broken down into narrative mode for anything involving not involving a tense situation when something like a tense situation arises, you switch to cinematic mode where gameplay is done in rounds this can be a fight a chase a bank heist disarming a bomb and this is this is annoying because during these cinematic scenes the acronym PI is used like cutie pie I guess <laughs> and it means presentation initiative effects so first the GM describes the scene everyone reacts and tells the GM what they want to do and these reactions comprise of a few seconds and all occur at the same time um, that's the initiative part then the effects is where the GM summarizes the effects of everything that just happened people get injured the bomb explodes whatever then the next round begins and when your pony's fortitude or willpower gets to zero, you're sidelined. You don't die, but you're otherwise out of the story. To come back, the effect which caused you to sideline has to be healed. So if you took a stab to the face, you go off back to town, get medical attention, and come back with a bandage faced. Faced. <laughs> now, while a sidelined, a character is under the GM to control. Which I don't know how I feel about that. So That's if, pretty, if uh, you get injured and, you're, and you can just go, oh yeah, you're go, you're going to the orgy, right? And it's like, <laughs> and, uh, and you feel better, like, and you know these weird bronies are going to do that. Or like, you'd be like, oh yeah, you sort of like feel bewildered, and you just jump off a cliff and kill yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to heal you, but... Uh, no, but it's sidelined, so that means GM gets control. Be like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Well, and what's annoying about it is they... Uh, I think it's kind of... 
because in the cartoon if somebody gets sidelined for a bit they'll come back at you know an opportune moment and this gives GM the GM carte blanche to just sort of do that but if you're the type of GM that might be sort of a bit spiteful yeah, there's there's only one way that's going to go, and it's like I'll try to fuck up my story. You're sidelined. You lose all your willpower, and then they don't play for the rest of the session. But anyway, if everyone is sidelined, the episode just ends for the night. But only if if only a few are, they recover back to one fort and one will. Uh, but after doing some scene where the ponies return to round rest or whatever. Additionally, throughout play the, play, the characters gain virtue points for being good, friendly, helpful, or whatever. And these can be spent to help others recover. So you may spend a virtue to give a quick pep talk mid-combat mid and uh, get your friends up from uh, being sidelined. Now, every episode ends with a letter to the princess where the characters will write down their achievements and send them in a letter to Princess Celestia, which I think is something... Oh, no, that, that's sort of, uh, I guess, kind of similar to how you give rewards... At the end of certain types of games, you so, know, I think you've done it for one game where, like, who did the best role the most, play? And, yeah, yeah, and like, like uh, Year Zero, yeah. Gen Lab yeah, plays out like that. Yeah, it's basically yeah. that. So you're the 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 in-game thing that's happening is you're sitting down and writing a letter, and I think that that's what happens at the end of every My Little Pony episode. That I couldn't actually finish a whole one, so <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Uh, but yeah, you're sent, you're writing a letter to to the princess, and how this plays out is Sean rightly identified is that you just discuss the way your character learned something in the episode maybe they learned something about themselves about the enemy or about something skilled then the GM awards XP which can be used to bolster skills increase special powers by edges or whatever now of all the ones we looked here today I have to say I think this one above all else understands the point of the show and benefits usually by being made from a group of dedicated fans and first and foremost it's just about telling an interesting story with minimal rules and adheres to the structure of the show without too much railroading I think it's a lot of it is sort of just about bullshitting a story together and doing a couple of roles during the action scenes and things like this and I actually mm. think it's alright it's fine it's surprisingly okay for what it is but I also think the reason that this one is good to an extent is because uh, it's only the first four seasons of the show and that was before the bronies ruined it so I think to an extent they this is like I think as a modern cartoon role playing game for kids it's basically spot on it's really fucking simple you get to make your pony original character and all of this and you've got games like Big Eyes Small Mouth or Toon but I think this occupies a very different cartoon role playing game area I think it's, it's fine definitely yeah I also want to point out that the advice for GMs in this book is top-notch, placing huge emphasis on fun over mechanics, an interesting story above all else. And it also seems to place the players in the driving seat, encouraging GMs to just go with the flow. I also uh, find the book's layout to be quite nice. I mean, it's horrible and cringe and rubbish, but it's consistent with the uh, show's <laughs> art style. So so that's uh, brony role-playing, everyone. What do you think of that last one, role-playing is magic? Would you give it a go? I wouldn't give it a go. I think it's quite good. It's quite loyal to the show, quite accurate. Uh, it's quite good if you like My Little Pony stuff. I think probably the the one like I might play is the Pathfinder one, but then I probably <coughs> wouldn't because then I could just play normal Pathfinder with cool races. But I think it, that one was probably the best. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's just it's just a bare bones supplement. How about you, James? Um, yeah, I, I think I don't think I try any of them unless like we had to for podcast reasons. Well, like but somebody's got a gun to your head or something. Yeah. The yeah. official Hasbro one was better than I thought. 
Um, I don't think. I think it was bland. I think it was bland, and it was too yeah. much like a normal it was RPG. Rubbish, I, I like the uh, the Brony version because um, it was yeah, like you said, it was uh, dedicated uh, RPGers. Yeah, and at least it had it had a bit of like what makes the show special to certain yeah. people. I guess it had good and mechanics in it and stuff. Decent mechanics, and it's absolutely fine. It was but written by people that like RPGs. You can tell that. that that's exactly yeah. it. And you know, you know, like. Upon embarking on this quest to uncover the ponies, we we kind of see that like the twisted underbelly is basically a memory of the bronies. Now you know, and the role playing games produced from it range from you know pointless to actually quite good. And thankfully, which surprised me, none yeah. of them involve sordid material. Well, I feel like the brony movement is really far away from the brony RPG. It seems like it. Like I mean, it's obviously made by bronies, but like the later iterations where the bronies got really muckyized, yeah, mucky. There you go. Got it's r- not the mucky brony here. It's ain't it's ain't your mucky books here, fam. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I was surprised honestly. I don't think they're terrible. I think the Pathfinder one is okay. I think the Tales of Equestria is, you know, fine but bland. And then this one is a decent role playing game if you're into that shit. But. Thankfully, thankfully, the Brony fandom is all but a memory now, and occupied only by sort of Nazis. Hitora. Hitora! Best of So that's Brony role-playing. Should we get onto some electro letters? Yay. Why did you have to look up to her? Aside from in a literal sense. Don't you know that a power that big comes with a bigger expense? And can't you see that she's out of control and overzealous? I'm telling you for your own good and not because... Um, so, uh, yeah, these uh, we, here's some correspondence, right? Banjo, he comes in, he says, If you had to choose one set of dice mechanics to use, D20, D100, whatever else, which would you pick and what games would you enjoy the most with? If you had just one shot to win it all, would you take... What is this? What is this? Right, it's so, Eminem, man. It sounds like it. I'll get on to the second part of his question in a minute. But let's, uh, yeah, so if you had one set of dice mechanics to use forever, what would it be? Uh, DCC. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. With the dice chain, the mm. funky dice. It's always fun to use. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd go, I'd go the same. I mean, it's, it's it, what it is, I feel, um, without going too pretentious on it, is, you know, when you first started playing role-playing games and you had all these weird little dice and, like, you were yeah. getting used to them and stuff like that, you kind of... DCC brings that all back again with the D30, the D24, the D14. And it's, yeah, I I enjoy that a lot. And I think it's a very, very good version of the D20 mechanics and very easy to pick up. Sean, how about you? Uh, Savage Worlds, really, because it's the same, but you don't have to buy extra dice and that. Uh, I feel like probably DCC are like... But the extra dice are really nice. They are great, um, but like... They know what they're, they're up to. So no. Savage Worlds has a dice chain, but it only goes from D4 to D12. I do miss the D20 in that, though. Yeah, that's why I chose DCC. Yeah, it's D20 the same. D20 is king. I'm, I'm, I always miss the D20 when it's not there. But yeah. in my game, uh, that's going to be the initiative dice, the D20. I'm, I'm doing a Savage Worlds fantasy game, and uh, you can't not have D20s in a fantasy game, so that, that's going to be initiative dice. That's fair. And what, do you know that there's a huge part of the Savage Worlds fan base that argue against using uh, a deck of cards for initiative when you're not playing Deadlands because it's not consistent. I think a- I think this is a really good system, the card I system. I quite like it. Uh, because, I love it. Because yeah. there's edges quick. to get you higher cards and stuff as yeah. well. It makes a lot of sense. Well, we can't use those in your game, though, because you're doing it with D20. Yeah. Uh, no, you can use that. Well, if I want a level-headed, I'd roll two D20 yeah. and take the better. Yeah. 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 
that's cool that's actually I like it good. at least we'll get to use the detail because I, I, it's stupid and nostalgic and not really based on anything but I do miss it when it's not yeah, there I love it and as well on Savage Worlds you only use it for the bad things like mm. the fear table yeah. so it's like when the D20 comes out it makes you start to hate it but yeah that, that, I think Savage Worlds is also very good because of the exploding dice and I've yeah. tried to apply it to other games, but because Savage Worlds is created around that, I feel like it's, yeah, it, it works best there and I love it. It's always so much fun. Um, sadly, Banjo continues. He said, if you had just one shot to win it all, would you take it? Lose yourself in the forest, your hex crawling, wondering, don't know which direction you should go. Oh, this is your chance to get through the jungle, grab the copulent spear, and then you got to blow. Oh. Uh, I think that was a bit more cringy than my singing Steven Universe. <laughs> no, nothing's more cringy than that, Sean. That was awful. I know. That was that was, was the re- new low. That was a desired effect. Thank you. Okay. That's a jingle forever. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Mm. Stick a bit of reverb on it. Steven and the Stevens. Sorry. What is that? Oh, what is that? Cheers, um, it's when Steven like creates clones of himself and then starts a band called Steven and the Stevens. <laughs> And he makes a song called Stephen and the Stevens. Yeah. This is like when Snoop Dogg made a song called Snoop Dogg off of his self-titled album called Snoop Dogg. That was quite good, actually. That. That's a good... T- oh, yeah, Sean. Well, well, I think out of all of us, you you are the most capable of, of becoming... Being a yeah, of being a brony. <laughs> like, 100%. Uh, well, I sort of... I sort of, used, you, you... I sort of used to roll in those circles. But, what are you talking about? But not as, like... Well, not as a brony, but, like, as a normal guy being like, this is weird and gross... But I need this sweet info, so I'm going to have to see some horrible stuff to get, like, pretty much on-the-day info. I mean, that's what, unfortunately, if you like anime, you have to come across, uh, sadly. What are you talking about? Um, well, it's like, Explain, what are you talking about? You're like, I didn't want to get involved well, you know, in bronies, but I did because I needed the sweet info. What does that no, even mean? No, you know, like, I don't know, if you like anime, if you like cartoons and stuff, um, all the weirdos are the ones that seem to have the up-to-date info. What info are you trying to find? It's like nerd nerd culture, you know, like the whole nerd culture thing. There's you always have to. Oh, is it not? Oh, when's the next uh, series being released? That kind of info. Yeah, yeah, stuff. So you have to then talk to people, and that definitely isn't true nowadays, though. Because if I no, like if you want to do a deep dive on Naruto, there's thousands of them. Yeah, I know, but. Back then, I used to have to go on forums and like stuff. But like you that. would encounter bronies. I would encounter massive weirdos, and uh, it's sort, sort of mentally scarred me quite a bit. But at least <laughs> I got that info, you know. But what info are you talking about? Like, like latest the, episodes, like when the new but series. But just the is website would do that. Why are you on the forums talking to bronies? I think there's more not to bronies, this. Not bronies. You're in there. You're talking similar. to bronies. Talking about hentai, similar. mate. Similar. But I feel like if you had the money, you would probably like. Get furry, like you'd be like up. that guy who's recently paid like twelve grand no, to make himself dress up as his favourite dog. I'm super normal, yeah. but I just have a like very high high filter. You're super normal. Mind. Tell us about the uh, visual stuff. novels that you like. Uh, Steins Gate. No, like. uh, the other ones, Sean. Um, the ones that are buried in that secret folder. Uh, secret folder. No, I like all the visual novels. I like are quite normal, man. Um, okay, so Muv Love, that's perfectly normal, is it? It is not. How many yeah. sex scenes? Um, one. Right. Which is like, but one. you have to you have to sort of understand the culture of Japan. Like, uh, obviously, like there are a subset of people that want those in there, but then it's usually another. It's usually the pr- production team that are telling these people to put them in there. 
Right. So then it's so done, have you ever so played? Then it's done by like some sort of Japanese equivalent to Mexican companies doing it. Like these weird, like horrible, like like. What the, are you talking about? Is well what down. are you talking about? Japanese equivalent of a Mexican company like doing they, what? They Putting to, hentai into to, a fucking video yeah, they have game. You have to outsource it. Oh yeah, that Mexican hentai. Yeah. And my love, they did it really well. They did a good job. Like he, they were forced to put this in there. But then, in alternative, they actually used it in the story because he'd have like flashbacks of like having sex with the different characters. So, so essentially, the sex scenes sort of come up often. He's thinking about it a lot. Are they are they buxomly endowed? But it's Sean? not a sexual. Are they buxom women? It's, yeah, very. Right. <laughs> Um, but um, oh, but then I, like, I have to explain the whole thing and like Mother Love is one of the greatest p- pieces of fiction that's ever well I'm sure existed. you think that because it's all sordid no, and rootsy and mucky it's not, it's not sordid it's about war and aliens so have that. you ever played do any of the aliens this really good do any of the what, aliens it's what inspired Attack on Titan do do any of the aliens it's really good lay an egg in someone no Anyway, so you've never played a visual novel that is purely an erotic game? Uh, no. Uh, no, that sounds like what? such a lie! <laughs> Why did that take so long? You have a 2D girlfriend. Well, no, I was thinking of like. Uh, Who's I, your, what's your girlfriend's name? Is it like Case K? I don't know. I was thinking of like the Song of Sayer, but I don't. I don't. I wouldn't call that erotic. It's more a horror. It's like they had to. I see horror because it's horror. Yeah, so it's tentacles. It's tentacles, boy. Yeah, it's tentacles. Oh, I see. But it's not like I see. But I went in blind. People were saying it was good, and like it was good. And it now, was good. You know, you can ignore the twenty hours of people getting bummed by well, tentacles. I monsters. fast forwarded all that stuff, but there were still horrible noises and stuff. I mean, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think you fast put no, it this 100% way right? no, no, no 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 shut I'm, up I like shut up Sean, shut up for ages right so my point is you were on these forums so I'm trying to strong arm me into like you were on these forums you were talking to people that you claim were weirdos yeah were. I put it to you sir well, that, that you that, are one of those like weirdos. the pillow man I'm not a pillow well, man well is he one of your boyfriends or something um, no he, he was older guy with the, the, the body pillows yeah him yeah if if there was no sort of social sort of uh, stigma about owning an anime body, body pillow, would you get one? No, 100%, 100% not. I'm a simple man. I like my cartoon girlfriends on your computer. Um, yeah, that's just, okay. No, I don't. I just like the... Oh, God. So, <laughs> so basically, you would be the most... Uh, I just, the, I the just most susceptible to being a brony out of our. I reckon so because Sean has had virtual relationships with cartoons on his computer. No, that are getting bummed by I tentacles. I just like st- a good story. Did you know? anyone in Song of Saya get bummed by a tentacle? Yeah, they did, but. Uh... <laughs> right, that's my point. As soon as I saw that, I'd switch it off. But it, I knew it wouldn't be for me. But the thing is, uh, they've got an all ages version now, which I would, would like prefer. Oh, the technical just tickles her a bit. No, all the sex scenes are removed. Uh, oh, but you must be gutted about that. Sad. But <laughs> yeah, he did. No, all the sex scenes are removed. No, no but it was a good. Uh, story i think to be honest because uh it was but just could it have been the sa- just, same a good enough story without all the sexy bits? yeah definitely and i mean why I the fuck skip, does it have I, the sexy bits I skipped, in it? because I, because people like sean them. will buy it no i skipped all the sex scenes i don't mate. think you did i 100 percent. no because usually on visual novels you can't skip until you've no, you completed can, it once no you can you can skip ah! the, you can skip the dialogue quicker uh 
in some visual novels. Right, right. Yeah, some, but not all. Therefore, that Song one of Sire is one of them. Oh. Have you played? Uh, well, actually, to be honest, right, Sean gave me a bunch of visual novels. I've read maybe two, and they were completely devoid of sex. But one of which, uh, Devil on a G String, right? Th- and that, that sounds excellent. bad, right? Mm. But it's not. It's about a musician. Mm. But um, there is one route you can take in the game whereby it becomes an erotic game. Yeah, but I, that I missed it. I did too. I, I, I realised that I was talking. No, because you were the one that told I, me about. I discussed. How'd you it. find out? No, we, me and you Forums. were talking about. No, me and you were talking about it, and we came to that conclusion. We're like, yeah, it's probably uh, sort of. Uh, yeah. But that's not the canon route. I like to go to canon routes, and there was um, a sex scene, and it was. But you could skip. The do you sex look up? <laughs> but you could. Do skip you look the, up the canon routes? But <clears throat> yeah, he does. Yeah, I do. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I, uh, you can skip the sex scene, and then uh, the, the, uh, you don't have to see that. Sure, it's not, then, lo- it's not looking good, man. But then, uh, but then, uh, the actual thing that matters is that they did have sex all night, and they had furious sex all night, and and boom, like the guy goes to jail, and then eight years later, he's got a daughter. I think it's what like, you're trying to say, I think what you're trying to say powerful. in a roundabout way is the sex is relevant. Despite the fact it could have just been but done watching, with maybe a curtain being closed, and then you sort of imply it, but you're like they had full they had full that, nasty sex, and uh, I was watching it, and I was like, no, <laughs> no. The thing is, I just think like the watching of it is irrelevant. That you you can just know that they had sex all night, and that was it, really. Why does it you keep adding the all night? It makes it weird. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it weird. Like, yeah, they had full on sex all night, nasty what, sex. Well, the actual line is, we had furious sex all night. Oh. The, but the fact that you remember that line, but it was important to the to the. To, it was you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> you, you, well, he had a daughter in the end. Actually, uh, Sayaka's boob window is it means that she's very open been, and and you can see into her heart. All right, but you read it. I read the fucking guy. I don't remember there being a sex scene in it. But you liked it, yeah? It was a good story. Thank you. But I don't remember. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> wow. I don't remember there being a sex scene in that game. But I didn't. I don't think I finished it. You don't remember where the end, where where he's in prison. No, <coughs> I don't think I finished and then the it. Sad music plays, and then it's like, oh, my friends stopped coming, and slowly, and then he gets out of jail, and then she's there, and, and I have sex all night, furious, like, nasty sex. No, and then like he's there, he's standing outside the prison, the music's playing, it's all emotional, and then like he Did sees her again with the long hair. And uh, then there's a kid there, and he's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, and then she's like, "Hello, daddy." And then uh, you are a bad podcast. And then he cries. You are bad at this. Did you cry too? Right, shut up. The point I was trying to make was that Sean once gave me a hard drive, right? It was was like real, like sordid shit. No, it was not. It was actually (laughs) like no, it was awful. It was awful. And he gave me this hard drive. Shut your fucking mouth for a second. You fucking normal visual novels. Sean, shut up. It wasn't. He gave me all of these visual novels, right? And it was one that piqued my interest because it had dungeon crawling segments in it. Oh, yeah, clicked that, on it. Oh, yeah, that was But weird. on the main menu... Right, exactly. The first thing on the menu is um, there's a woman going, do you want to play with me? And you could either click new game or rape. So what's that about? That's what? A, Why a, is that on your hard drive? That's a lie. That's a lie. Yeah. No, it's not a fucking lie. Because yeah. I clicked it. But I like right. it. I, I, yeah, I did. To be to be honest, um, that that never happened. But there, it, it was, did happen, and it's real. It's called like Tokimeki Memorial or something. Yeah, Soki no Seki, I think. And he knows which one it is. 
Um, but, Sean, right, uh, you're a <clears throat> disgusting animal. Get help. <laughs> this fit, like, Polish ogre. He says, my wife seems enamoured with the concept of bangers and mash. Any advice for a clueless American on how to make the best version? Do you know mash A lot of butter. Um, that obviously, like, he's made mashed potato before. Just do, that. Just do that. And yeah, then... but there's a specific way you've got to do bangers and mash. Because the, the thing is, yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be it's all skin on yeah. or some skin on. Cut it up really fine. Boil it for ages. Bit of milk. Loads of butter. And then you mash it, mash it all together. Mash it up, mm. bit of salt and pepper in there. And then oh, you've got to sort of, what you do is you plap it onto the plate, create a well in the middle into which you pour onion gravy. Yeah, and then gravy, yeah. don't put your bangers on it. And like, it's got to be, like, stick it in. It's got to be pork sausages mm. and they've got to be like sort of pork and sage type thing. And then that's the classic British banger. Although I hate saying banger because it's annoying. And mash. But if you, when you see it in a cartoon, when the bangers are like sticking out the mash, that's annoying, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like, like I do want to mix them, yeah. but it should be my choice. Yeah. 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 100%. Just put them in the pool, mate. Put them in the pool. Yeah. You put, you stick them in the pool of gravy there. Uh, the butt, Mano, Polish Ogre continues. He says, also, what would you personally like to see in Deadlands Dark Ages? I'm hoping for some version of his, his hedge wizards and demonologists. So, Deadlands Dark Ages. It's Deadlands, but it's set in the year 900. And for some reason, uh, although it's... Because the story of Deadlands, right, is that the four horsemen are trying to merge the world with hell, right? Mm. So that can be told at any point and on any planet. That makes sense, right? I do understand that. But in Dark Ages, for some reason, you still have people... Uh, the clerics have revolvers. Uh, is, there any, uh, is there any sort of way... Like, if he says, what do I, would I like to see in Deadlands Dark Ages? Is there an option for me to see it get pulped or... That'd be nice. And then make more copies of uh, Deadlands Weird West. Yeah, that'd be wicked. Do you know, um, I did play the intro adventure for this and I did have fun with it, but there's just certain conceptual things about it that I just... It's also written by... It, it, like, it's in England, written by something I has no idea about England kind of thing. So And it has that feel to it, like, hugely. It's like, oh. they've watched Monty Python. Well, may, maybe what I'd like to see, not knowing much about Deadland Dark Ages, is... Uh, some historical accuracies yeah see yeah yeah see that would that's part of what i like about deadlands is the yeah. the backdrop is that historical setting and even well, at least like you know like so with the weird um scientist edge and stuff uh, uh you can you can add stuff that wouldn't necessarily exist in there because of it that's fine to do but if because you're it's the horror elements, yeah. have revolvers in the 900s that's just a bit that's dumb it's weird and it's stupid because the thing is like there are there are probably better ways to do that in like because in the dark ages like the reason that England has so many different types of spearhead is because mostly the weapons that were used by peasants were originally farming tools that were just sharpened right and that's kind of a cool maybe that could be the you know the mm. choice weapon or a, or, or a, like a like a hex gun but it's a, a bow and arrow or a mace or yeah, something some like this projectile type I don't know it just weapon. it just seems like it's a bit lazy to me but I, I i'll wait for the for the full version and have a look but i don't know i did well, enjoy playing it make sense of it yeah that's what i'm hoping because really i just read a book set in the dark ages and i just i, I think where where the where the original deadlands the sort of all the wacky elements and the horror elements sort of prop up the setting and the post-war historical setting of it like dark ages it just seems to go it's deadlands so guns because Ghost Rock existing in the Dark Ages is, is there's a lot of shit you could do with that. It'd be fucking awesome. Mm. Although there's not many sort of devices, is there really? 
No. At least you could get like a get no. ghost rock powered flour mill or something. Yeah, but you could have like sort of D and D type devices like Stones of Fast Speech or something like that. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that would work. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Seems a bit shit. Uh, the Buttman, he says, you've decided to write the British sequel to the Isle of Dread called the Ireland of Dread. What do you include um, in it? Ireland's not potato famine from Britain. Yes, it is. North Island is. I mean, uh, I was going to say potato famine. <laughs> I mean, fiend. I mean, I mean, North, Northern Ireland is. Uh, I guess because uh, the the actual land is called Ireland. The whole land. Uh, Northern Ireland is a part. Don't say that to somebody from uh, fucking the Republic of Ireland, mate. Uh, but also, uh, Britain consists of Wales, Scotland, and England. Uh, that's, that's that's Great Britain. That's Great Britain. Uh, that, that's British. Uh, so UK is Northern Ireland as well. Yeah, but um, but, but, so but look, you're just you're, not you're, British. you're splitting hairs, right? He just oh, means really okay. Sp- he means UK clearly. Otherwise, because he's talking about Ireland. Mm, Why do you have to dissect this? It's just a fun question. It's just a fun. You spent fucking twenty minutes talking, talking about, about hentai all the time. I mean, who asked you to do oh that? And now. It's- we're talking about the Island boys, and he's just trying to make a nice, humorous stir. The Ireland boys, yeah? No, it's Ireland of Dread. So oh, sorry. Like the module we played in DCC. Yes, but the Ireland. So imagine you're on a ship. You get well, shipwrecked in Ireland. In that case, it would be the Ireland boys I'd put in it too. <laughs> I'm an Ireland boy, and I'm just trying to punch well, my so wife. We, so we get <laughs> That's ship- racist. So we're getting shipwrecked in Northern Ireland then. My surname's Yeah, Irish. because otherwise it's not in the UK. Fuck off, Sean. It doesn't matter. Whichever one it is. Right, forget he even said British, right? He's got... He's got what, they're going Different to... iteration of it. Yeah, which part of Ireland? Let's say Craggy Island, right? Maybe that. But I reckon potato famine's the way to go. And since it's... <laughs> yeah. so, I, I don't know if it's... Because it did happen in 1840. I feel like we can, we can joke about it now, right? Is that all right? I know it's like some people's granddads died in the potato famine, but yeah, um, if, you know you are going to pay the price if you're a picky eater. It still stings quite heavily. I mean, if you mention Oliver Cromwell over there, that's oh Cromers. Um, but um, look, potato famine's good, right? Because I have dread it's going to be this mysterious island where you don't know what's going on. So you've got two, and this is going to be deeply racist to our brothers in Ireland. But I am actually Irish, so it's all right. Um, the uh, you have potato famine, so you've got big. That was mainly around to diseases carried within potatoes, right? So you've got people being infected. That's a plague. That's cool. But then also the plague is infecting the uneaten potatoes so they come to a massive size and start to gain intelligence. What about... <laughs> and, not, and like they puke... No, but they puke... potatoes. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, they puke the fucking plague on you. It's like, well, scary. And the good thing, they don't have like a... Necessarily got a face, right? So you can't headshot them. How do you kill a potato? You've got to roast it. Got and boil serve it. it with gravy. You've got to boil it, mash it, stick no, it in the shoe. That's it. Their weakness is gravy because oh, it oh, makes them go soft. I think they're a bit of weakness, Bilbo Baggins, to be honest. Yeah, he boils them, mashes them, sticks them in a stew. Um, but yeah, also also leprechauns. Uh, <coughs> and the commitments And Guinness. Well. The commitments, <laughs> leprechauns, Guinness, right? All the stereotypes are there. They're all represented. Graham Norton. Graham Norton. Wife beating. That's in there. Uh, rock, religious rocks. Yeah, religious rocks. Well, like, uh, what is it? The stone of the Blarney Stone. And the Blarney Stone. That's it. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. So um, you play Blarney Rubble, and uh, you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is really offensive. And uh, but yeah, just remember, I'm joking about my culture here, so it's all right. Um, 
Yeah, so that's what it's going to be. It's going to be sending potatoes. Shut up, Sean. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. I've got an Irish name, which is good. Yeah, there you go. So we're allowed to joke about it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're about as Irish as the potato famine, (laughs) which is to say very. So we can actually talk about this. Um, All right, sweet. So that is the Ireland of dread. And we'd have the Ireland boys in there, which would obviously be like the final boss or something. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, Bargle the Infamous. He says, what out of print or at least older RPG would you like to see a new edition of? Sean. Out of print RPG? That would I like to see a new edition of? the game. Oh, probably the Turtles one, man. Like, if they updated that, that'd be sick. That's a, that's a good answer. That's actually a good That's one. a good answer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> well done, man. Proud of you, James. Oh, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to see a really limited run of the uh, Indiana Jones that would be nice like a really really limited well I think it would be cool as well if they if they redid it and then included character creation options which mm. were sadly absent from the first version <laughs> of it but that would be cool because they later did it in a supplement and if they we did say when we reviewed it um, that it's so worth a play like it looks like a lot of fun to play and that would be cool if they did like a because like I've said I, I've you bought me the box for my 30th I can't open it. I can't play that. It's not to be played. It's too precious. So <laughs> if they did be... like a new one, that would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, Lassie, he says, inspired by... Wait, a... you didn't answer it, bitch. Oh. So Lassie, he says, uh, inspired by... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, oof. Um, uh, oof. <clears throat> Shadowrun 2nd Edition would be nice. Oh, is it? Yeah, like, a, like if they retooled Shadowrun back to its original retro futuristic roots and just reprinted one of the old ones with maybe updated rules based on the new stuff I don't, I mind, think, I don't mind the newer ones the new ones are great yeah well. they're awesome but yeah, I mean like Savage Shadowrun but both too. like yeah Savage Shadowrun is awesome now called Sprawl Runners oh, which Sprawl. is a bit of a mouthful to say yeah. but uh, yeah so I, I would say yeah Shadowrun 2nd edition would be nice uh, I would like very much to see a woman's bottom <laughs> no, um, only on your birthday. So there's these, there's these. They sometimes float around on eBay every so often of the original AD and D Japanese versions, mm. and they're like pocket sized, and they have really cool anime styled artwork in them. Where the new ones just have the same artwork, but obviously they're translated. I would love to see like a reprint of, or, or like a, a version of the first edition D and D with that artwork with English in it. So like a reprint with a new translation of a translation. That would be sick. That would be cool. Um, I've been trying to get my hands on them for years and I keep seeing like occasionally, so obviously we have actual plays in the West here, but in Japan they have something called replays, which is just uh, transcripts of an RPG thing that you can read, um, like a light novel. And um, yeah, I keep seeing those pop up online. But, I mean, it has even less point, it being a novel, to me owning, like, a rule book in Japanese that I can't read. But, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, that's my one. Shadowrun 2nd Edition and uh, Japanese D&D. So, uh, Lassie, he says, Inspired by a comment in the general chat, any RPG system that has good grapple rules. Most seem to either make it useless, D&D 5e, or so complicated nobody wants to use it. Do they? Well, yeah. I mean, I can't think of any good ones off the top of my head. I mean... Savage Worlds. <clears throat> It's good, but then put it this way, right? Savage Worlds, the grappling rules are fine, and then maybe if you get tough guys uh, as well, you could use the uh, Wrestling Edge, uh, written yeah, by a very handsome, edge. talented. But like, like for example, in, in Savage Worlds, right, the rules are this: if you grapple someone, they're bound, so they get that effect, right? Or they're bound, or they're entangled. I think it's bound, but anyway. Then, if you get a raise on the roll, you can damage them that turn. Mm. 
or if you don't, you can damage them next turn. And what inevitably always happens is grappling is used for, like, just holding somebody there, not actually trying to hurt them, essentially, right? And it always happens where they just break free or the players aren't going to do it because they want to damage him this round or whatever. And I think they're fine, but it's like... I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen one with good grapple rules. I mean, worldwide wrestling might have them, but I think that's more about telling an interesting story, isn't it? Than actually, <clears throat> yeah, it's more about the story rather than the actual fight. And it's like a, it's just like th- about the theatre of it all, really. Yeah, I mean, if you ever watch MMA, grappling is like such is is pretty much the important part of of modern martial arts right most definitely yeah and it's like so it would be cool to see that but then it's like again like a lot of people who don't know how complicated the ground stuff is in mma it's like it's kind of like well um it looks boring and if you're playing an rpg where it's just like oh you've managed to pull your weight back on him and get your leg over him one round i mean it would be really boring right so i think i think the way i've done it in the past like when we did a wrestling episode of icrpg fallout right is that you 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 just narrate the moves differently? It's unarmed damage, but it, maybe if you get a crit, you get do a suplex and he's still going to be on the ground. But a regular hit, you do a suplex and he gets back up or whatever. You can hold them and stuff. And yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think there needs to be any expressly made rules for it, but um, I don't know. There are not many. Well, a couple, but then you just you just embellish on what you're doing and yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. you know, to me, a, 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 like a body slam is just a really good unarmed attack so mm. yeah anyway boring answer but that's it should we do an outro lads yeah all right well this isn't the most delicious snack it is a sure as hell nutritious snack i'm gonna take a huge bite out of these testicles so sean what you got to say to yourself uh, yourself? i'm sorry <laughs> please forgive me <laughs> have you ever watched my little pony no, actually, no, I haven't. Uh, actually, no, I watched a couple of episodes, but it's uh, it was at the beginning where it was sort of all right-ish for a Little Pony show. Uh, I came across a few clips on YouTube and that people saying it was well the hot, the hot, hot, hot ham, you know. And uh, it was have you ever watched? It was not. You, it was these on these sordid forums that you're going on. Sordid? Um, no, just regular forums invaded by sordid people. Were you part of said invasion? So, um, do you remember that there was that guy that was uh, the Dutch guy being interviewed for a Japanese TV program? Yeah, that was. Sad. Oh yeah, that was very yeah. sad. Yeah, it's very sad. But he reminds me of you a bit. No, 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 no. Those that that's that's the type of guy. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate. One of your mates. No, it's, no, I haven't got. Where he's just like they're, they're like, what type of anime characters do you like? And he's like, I like the little girls. Oh no. Sorry, <laughs> that made me record. Oh, no. That made me record. record One thing people hard. won't know about Sean is that he does this this thing. If something surprises him, he always makes a weird noise. And so if Sean Sean suddenly dies in a video game. We've been playing Terraria together recently. I don't. I'm just telling the people this because it's amusing. But um, it, uh, earlier on on Terraria, he fell down a hole and oh dear. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, the other day we were playing it and he went oh no do 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 do. <laughs> and um, also the game the other day Sean rolled a bad roll and then went yay <laughs> some people like do, do you make weird noises during games let us know yes like. I do I've I've currently got one just in real life you know like similar to I suppose it's because we, we did it we're like, we tend to do it mm. but I, I explete bean at the minute <laughs> <laughs> I always do it when playing wind jammers because sometimes a girl can really take you by surprise and it's like whoosh, and I'm like Pah! <laughs> but yeah Sean, Sean's the worst for it but that yeah. oh dear 
I mean, one of my favourite ones was when we were playing F Zero GX and you fell off the track. Oh no! And you went, oh no, I've done a pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm quite bad for that, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm just. But very, I'm working on it, ladies. I'm very pleased though, uh, like because I don't have gamer rage or anything. Uh, more frustration. You're joking, aren't you? What about when I tried to dig you into a pit of lava in Terraria? You got yeah, well angry. Yeah, that made me. I wasn't angry. <laughs> I was. Uh, I was quite sad though because Sean had spent like five hours grinding new stuff for us. It wasn't five hours. And then, and then, it, was my, it was most of my like three. I had three days off. It was most <laughs> of my three free time. Yeah, oh. and then and then we were standing on some lava, and I was digging out the floor from underneath Sean. He was like, "What are you doing there, man?" That was a bit. That was a bit like I was. It wasn't like anger. No, that was kind of shock. Me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 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 Uh, yeah. That was now, now clean out your hard drive. You filth. All right, well, that we, this has been a good podcast, has it? I don't know. I can't say that myself. Uh, contact us on 3trpgpod at gmail.com or go on the Discord, which will be linked in the description. And, of course, Patreon, innit? Yeah, do that. Please, thanks. Yeah, uh, loads of cash is what we need. Because we're going to UK Gamers Expo. Games Expo. Yes, mate. It's I, I need some end. money with which to buy stuff I can scarcely afford nor have the space for. Uh, yeah, we're going behind the beads. We're not going behind the beads. <laughs> what the fuck? No. Do you no, remember what? We did actually see a naked um, miniatures section once at uh, oh, yeah. Dragon Meat. Yeah, that was quite and sad. we tried to buy one for Ryan because it was like, well, that's he's, he's a pervert like you. This is a work of art. He's a deep... I'm, I'm not a pervert. Did it happen to be well expensive? Have you ever thought about buying an anime figurine with tits? No. Liar. Wow. Did no, it wasn't that? expensive. It was just that Ryan was playing a gnome, a dwarf at the time. They didn't have yeah. any dwarf ones. Oh. Anyway, right. That's it. Goodbye. Love you. Uh, remember that T20s are cool, but 20Ds. Now that's the type of game now Sean likes anime. to play. Keeping that for a while.